Greetings, you patron of the poor, lover of the lacklustre and connoisseur of the crap, and welcome to the Bad Things Podcast, the show that is to entertainment what a coroner is to a dead body. My name is Jacob Simmons, and as always, I'm joined by a man armed with a wooden stake of opinion and a necklace of garlic and wit. He is the Jason to my Uncle Bryn, only he's more than happy to tell you what happened on that fishing trip. It's Nathan Packham. Hello, and generic salutations to you, sir. Generic salutations to you as well, Jacob. Yes, it's 2020. I would happily tell you what happened on that <laughs> boat trip. <laughs> but not right now. We'll save that for if we ever get a Patreon. We'll put that behind a paywall, because that's juicy, juicy shit. How are you getting on, sir, in week six million of, of lockdown? Are we still calling this lockdown? What? Well, what is if it's not lockdown, what is it? Um, Just do what you want. Like, that's <laughs> what it is. Like, did, you, did you see the Daily Star when they um, printed that um, Dominic Cummings face mask and it was a do what you want and sod the rest of us mask? <laughs> Jeez, the star coming out with some zingers yeah, there. I know, right? You Where's know it's bad when the stars, the stars turned against you. But yeah, um, how how have you been? We've obviously we've spoken a bit off mic, but let the let the listeners know they care about you, Nathan. Um, well, my eyes don't really work anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how much more detail I want to go into, but basically, um, I have really oily eyelids, and uh, I'm in near Sorry. constant pain. So um, oh, it's been a really fun lockdown for me. Um, I'm, I'm not laughing at the constant pain. I'm just laughing at the phrase oily eyelids. It's uh, if anyone wants to look it up, it's uh, ocular surface disease with blepharitis. Well, if anyone's interested, we're raising um, awareness. We're doing the go- we're doing the Lord's work. Yep, and I will continue to raise awareness if I can see going forward. Um, <laughs> apart from that, sort of semi-stressed, semi-relieved about the sort of ambiguity of all the rules. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel. Um, sort of like. Um, if you need to go and get an apple from a shop, you sort of feel a bit guilty, but at the same time you're like, well, nobody else knows what this means, so go on. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's a disgrace that we are so far behind the rest of the world. I think it's a disgrace that we've somehow decided that we've come out the other side of the first phase when we're still having hundreds of people die every day. And I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So, um, yay. I think I yeah like it went it's we seem to be like on 500 deaths then we Mm. drop down to like 350 and then Mm. we all get excited on the weekend because it's like oh 174 and then Mm. it's just like 312 again by Wednesday yeah and it's been like that for like two weeks yeah but in the government's eyes that means we're doing well (laughs) We're doing so well. But I think we'll try and steer clear of all the politics stuff because we're not here to discuss that train wreck. We're here to discuss a very different train wreck. It's a it's a visual review. We're back on the world of film, uh, which is why I'm in charge with my master's degree. Thank you very much. Nathan Packham, what are we reviewing this time? We are diving into uh, late 2000s uh, B-movie fuckery today. Um, <laughs> we, we are reviewing the comedy horror flick lesbian vampire killers jeez it is it's a comedy in a very different sense of the word and a horror in a very different sense of the word um i watched this film last week i'm still angry nathan you were gonna somehow try and fit in two viewings of this film before we started um you didn't do that was that because you have more respect for yourself than you first thought 
I I think subconsciously I just couldn't do it, but I pretended that I was too busy to watch it again because it's only <laughs> what is it an hour and twenty four or something? It's something it's like the that? same length as the new nineteen seventy five album, and right. I know which one I'd rather be talking about right now. I mean, they've both got problems. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Shiny collarbone. Yeah, we're going to be chatting about some lesbian vampire killers today. And there's a whole shitload of background and context to this film, which is just as, if not more, interesting than the actual movie itself. Just want to say thank you to everyone who voted for this in the poll, because, of course, we are now a democracy here at Bad Things. Thank you, everyone, who uh, didn't make us watch a sitcom about Hitler. Thank you very much for that. What were, what were the what was the full results? Was it just an absolute wipeout for I think, lesbian vampire I think killers? LVK. Um, LVK. Ludwig LVK, Van yeah. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it pretty much swept the board. Yeah, unfortunately, my pick of Batman and Robin, I don't think it even scraped the surface. But I will be pushing for that again, because I really well, want to watch that film. You, you do vote for the Green Party, so you're pretty <laughs> used to that sort of thing. I'm used to crushing disappointment, it's fine. Anyway, we've come back to politics. Uh, we're going to move swiftly away from that. So, we'll get to the film in just a minute. Well, probably in about four hours, knowing us. But, uh, as, as per usual, it's Nathan's favourite part of the show. It's the context. It's the background. It's the prehistory of lesbian vampire killers. And this film really is the story of two men. Not characters, but the men playing those characters. They are beloved, quote-unquote, sitcom stars Matthew Horn and James Corden. So, before doing this review, Nathan, of Lesbian Vampire Killers, starring Mr. Horn and Mr. Corden. How much did you know about Matt and James? So, I mean, Matt Horn, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Corden, I remember... I have not seen the film, but I remember History Boys being a big thing. Mm. Uh, and then, obviously, Gavin and Stacey with the both of them. And then I also saw James Corden in the... Uh, what was an adaptation of a f uh, play called A Servant to Two Masters, mm. uh, One Man, Two Governors. Um, mm -hmm. I saw him at a, I can't remember which theatre it was at, you know, one of the steep ones um, in <laughs> in London. Um, so I'm, I think like most people, I'm way more up with Corden than I am Horn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the popular opinion. Um, we'll get a bit more into James Corden's, well, quite frankly, mind-boggling career after this film in the aftermath section but we'll start with their humble beginnings Matt Horn was born in 1978 uh, he spent his youth pursuing twin loves of acting and football playing in goal for Knox <laughs> County's junior which is uh, the oldest football club fact. in the UK it is the oldest football club in the UK good knowledge I love it when celebrities play football you know that Gordon Ramsay like had tryouts for Rangers and shit yeah and for fats like that yeah, did, like it. wasn't was Louis Tomlinson a good footballer, or did he just get tackled that one time <laughs> and um, then be sick? And then be sick, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Notts County as well. That's that's Robbie Williams' team, I think. No, that's Port Vale. Oh, it's Port Vale. One yeah. of the magpie-looking sort of nothing teams in the lower leagues. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're going to get some big heat from the Notts County oh. fans. I know there's a big listening contingent out there in Nottingham. Uh, we apologise. Uh, but Horn decided to ditch the football for acting. He actually got his big break performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, where he was spotted by none other than Catherine Tate, who watched one of his shows and invited him to appear on her Catherine Tate show on the BBC, giving him his first taste of national exposure. Yeah, right. Are you saying I can't spit lyrics when I can spit lyrics? Yeah. 
Don't say I can't spit lyrics when I can spit lyrics. You can't spit lyrics? Why are you saying I can't spit lyrics when I can spit lyrics? Spit me some lyrics then. I ain't spitting you no lyrics. <laughs> Just spit me some lyrics. I... Well, well, at least when I was younger, I found Catherine Tate hilarious, but really? I, doubt, I doubt I would now, but uh, that might love be... Her in, love her in Doctor Who. I think mm. she's a fantastic companion in Doctor Who, but I don't really like the Am I Bothered sketches. Probably quite funny at the time, but I don't think they've aged very well. Um, and the Nan stuff, which is somehow still going. Like, I think she still has a show where she just plays her Nan. Do you remember the uh, What Are You Insinuating <laughs> sketch? Do you remember that one? <laughs> No, am I going to have to play this in? It's a new health clinic on Mondays. Yes, I heard that bit. For gay men. I beg your pardon. How very day. <laughs> Never been so insulted. Derek, everything said here is completely confidential. What on earth are you insinuating? <laughs> it, has it aged well? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Matt Horn, first exposure on the Catherine Tate show. As for his compatriot, James, and this is incredible. Do you know what his middle name is? Well, I've seen it on your notes and you're just going to bloody talk about your woman again, aren't you? <laughs> his middle name is Kimberly. Kimberly Birch. He is James Kimberly Birch Corden. Uh, he's not from New York, unfortunately. Um, he is from London, in fact. He was the son of a social worker and a musician who also sold Bibles on the side to earn a living. Is is um, that like generic Christian Bible selling or like Jehovah Witness Bible I, selling? Or From what I gathered from my research, a.k.a. Wikipedia, I think he just sort of... I think this was his dad. I think he sold Bibles to make up the fact that musicians don't make any money. Oh, OK. James made a few appearances in uh, the late 90s on TV, including in an advert for Tango. He can also be seen in episodes of Hollyoaks, which probably has the best um, great theme to shit TV show ratio of all time. The Hollyoaks theme is... Such a banger. Love that song. He's also in an episode of Little Britain. Um, which also has not aged very well. But his breakout role came as Jamie in ITV's Fat Friends, which was a drama about members of a slimming group. And this ran for five years, so this was a massive, massive hit. I, uh, I think the 2000s may have been less compassionate than the 90s. Like, the, <laughs> the, the, the kind of reviews we've done so far around that era, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I think, like, especially the late 90s, you were people really pushing the boat out in terms of what you could and couldn't say. You had stuff like South Park and MTV and Jerry Springer. I think that just continued into the 2000s until everyone woke up one morning and realised that people have feelings. <laughs> Fat friends. <laughs> well, Fat Friends eventually did end, but it was on the set of this show that James Corden met Alison Steadman, Sheridan Smith and Ruth Jones, all of whom would star in dun -dun -dun -dun, Gavin and Stacey. I've been ringing you every day for three weeks, your phone's been off. I was on my honeymoon. Right, can we all stop calling it a honeymoon? It's just a holiday. Pam, are you really a vegetarian? Yes! Oh, what does that sign say? Cheers, Bryn. 
So Nathan, Gavin and Stacey, your thoughts? I did watch it um, when it was out. Uh, I want to say 2007? Something uh, like that. Yeah, I think so. Six or seven. Um, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I saw everything and now can't really remember much of it at all. Uh, so you haven't you haven't gone back and rewatched it, uh, unlike every single other person my age has done. I I just think it's not really where I'm at humor wise, so I don't think mm. it would do a lot for me if I went back and watched it. Um, yeah. I I remember the first episode where they're on the phone to each other. I remember that being quite sweet. Obviously, mm. the whole Bryn situation um, had an additional context for me later on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> um, and uh, the Nan would, like, swear, which is sort of a cheap gag, isn't it? Like, it's not um, that funny. Yeah, she, she wasn't the Nan, just because I know... Oh, she wasn't, school. yeah. Sorry, she was yeah. the neighbour, Doris, yeah. rest in peace. Um, and, yeah, she, uh, she, she threw a few Fs and Jeffs around, which was fine. Um... But yeah, Gavin and Stacey is just one of those shows that... It's a bit like Friday Night Dinner or Louis Theroux. It's just gathered this big cult following amongst people sort of in their in their mid-twenties and, and uh, late teens. It's it's an absolute phenomenon uh, to the point where they even brought it back last Christmas, which we'll talk about at the end. Um, but yeah, it was an absolute smash. Ran for three seasons, scooped numerous awards... And this was crucially the first time that James Corden and Matt Horn ever met, because Corden, who also wrote the show alongside Ruth Jones, he starred in it as Smithy, of course, the uh, the best friend to Matt Horn's Gavin, uh, of course, the titular character. This is the genesis, the the the, the melting pot that would eventually become lesbian vampire killers. So Horn and Corden hit it off pretty well on the show they spent a lot of time together they really really enjoyed each other's company and the boys became absolutely huge stars so as you would do you decided to throw yourself into a series of other projects they hosted a big brother companion show in 2007 they hosted the brit awards in 2009 and they wrote for and starred in horn and cordon nathan what is horn and cordon <laughs> so, did you see the timeline here? Like, this sitcom came out, like, the same week as as LVK? Really? Yeah, I, th- I think oh, that I was the that. timeline. Oh, what a horrible week. So, so they were just they were just everywhere. Like, they were mm. the biggest thing. Um, it's so weird when stuff just kind of fades away, but we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Maybe yeah, they're massive. sort of the, the Robbie Williams of, of that <laughs> TV... I don't know, that TV era. Um, yeah, maybe. Horn and Corden was a BBC Three sketch show uh, that I did watch at the time because they were they were everywhere. They were huge, uh, and obviously I was into Gavin and Stacey at the time. And it feels like, and it's sort of basically stated later on that it was a very rushed project, um, and basically none of the jokes land. <laughs> Look, looking back now, none of the jokes land. Are there jokes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we watched a couple of sketches. Um, they were all horrible. Um, we we put ourselves through a sketch called oh, Super Sized. Where's this come from? Jesus. Oh, hey, everybody, look at me. Hey, look. Look at this. Look. Oh. <gasps> What's in them? Blubber. Real blubber. You're people blubber, is that it? Look, look at it, look. Look at me. The darts player. Yeah, the fat 
one, the um Andy Fordham. A Viking, yes! Oh mate, what? mate, there's what? loads of it round here. Oh my god, love handles! I've actually got love handles. Actual handles. Look, look. Look at that. You compiled the sketches, so thank you for doing that. I d- like I I don't really know what what was the joke here? <laughs> because there's two sort of football blokes. They buy some burgers. James Corden says that the burgers made him fat, but he was already fat. Then Matt Horn jiggles James Corden's belly for ages. They throw the burgers away and they they walk off. This this is what frustrates me is like that you are you are like entertainers. You are naturally bizarre people. <laughs> Why do you constantly go back to this idea that you are like just some blokes? Yeah, uh, it's. I- it's, it's. I mean, the whole fallacy is obviously that some bloke doesn't exist. It's like you know, everyone's a total freak, and that's fine. <laughs> um, and yeah, the joke here is that he has a bite of a burger and is fat. But um, he was already fat. <laughs> we could see he was fat. And then we and then... we get like forty five seconds of yeah Matt Horn going behind him and jiggling his belly. <laughs> And then, like, at the end of the sketch, they're like, oh, we're not paying for the burgers. So, was the, the but the joke can't have been they were trying to get them for free because they took one bite and then threw them on the floor. Okay. You, did, you didn't go to Planet Organic, did you? <laughs> like, you, what are you expecting from these burgers? <laughs> it, it is honestly, it's the most confusing sketch show, like, confusing sketch I've ever seen. And we both did university sketch comedy. And that is saying something. Um, oh yeah, bloody love my time at Headlights. Shout out to anyone who's uh, who's still knocking about there. Love love my time at Headlights, but sometimes you did write some shit. But this was worse than all of that. This was worse than amateur. And I just like I came away from this sketch and I was like, I, what the fuck have I just spent the last three minutes of my life on? Yeah, all the clips were really short, but quite painful to get through. This week we'll be talking about what's going to be the tiramisu and what's going to be the turkey. One film I'm sure we're not going to be saying gobble gobble to is the latest from Academy Award winning producer Jerry Reichman. And if that's not enough to get you reaching for your popcorn, its all-star cast is led by Britain's very own Ricky Gervais. Let's take a look at the Vietnam War epic No Man Gets Left Behind. I can't go on. I'm in too much pain. Oh, Mama. You've got to pull yourself together, boy. Yeah? Leave me. You've got to get home to Mama. New. No. I'm a coming back for you. So, because no man... We also put ourselves through two sketches where James Corden pretended to be Ricky Gervais. Um, <sighs> and by that... <laughs> And by pretended, I mean he drew a soul patch on himself. It's the worst impression of anybody I've ever seen. It's, so, it's... Ha- so one of them was Ricky Gervais on a battlefield. But how how did he? And he was just in a film, in a war film, which I'm not sure Ricky Gervais has ever been. No, I, I think that's like obviously like the joke is that Matt Horn is pretending to host this sort of movie talk show he's doing a really bad american accent and he's like here's the latest war movie from ricky gervais and they throw to this clip and it's ricky gervais talking to i think it's matthew poynton who was in gavin and stacy as chinese alan 
and is, or is he, is, no, he's, is he Dino? I can't remember. He's the guy from Horrible Histories. Yeah, he's in Peep Show as well. Is he? He's Who's Simon in Peep Show. In Peep Show. <laughs> Dobby's love interest. Oh, what? Oh, I've not seen that episode. Oh, man. There's loads um, of him. Hell, he's in, he's, he's in everything. Like, he, this is like, he's sort of, you know, Russell Tovey, the um, sort of yeah. generic BBC stock actor. Yeah, yeah. He's, on, he's of that ilk. Um, and it's like, I don't even know where to start, because, like, he's been shot, and it's meant to be this, like, scene where they're like, it's, uh, it's a spoof of the sort of classic war moment where somebody gets shot and they're holding him in his arms, but James Corden keeps doing the sort of Ricky Gervais talk-to-the-camera shtick from The Office... But it's not very funny, and Ricky G- and James Corden isn't doing a Ricky Gervais voice. He's doing his voice with Ricky Gervais's mannerisms. He doesn't really look like him. It, and, I don't get it. And then d- d- I don't remember Ricky Gervais particularly looking at a camera and biting his lip a lot. That was one of the gags. Yeah. <laughs> I, <I'm... laughs> I mean, The Office, obviously, like, the gag of The Office was that it was a documentary and James uh, David Brent was playing up to the cameras, but he never, like... Did he ever, like, look straight down the lens? I don't think... I don't think he did. And then there's another skit where there, he's in another film and they're filming a wedding sequence and it's meant to be this really tender moment and James Corden ruins it by doing the David Brent dance. And that's, like, the whole gag... And it's just not very funny. <laughs> it's really obvious. Can we talk about Aspinall? Oh, God. Do you feel worse than better? For better, for worse, you'd rather feel better, right? Well, now you can. How? With these pills, guaranteed to make you feel better. What's more, these pills contain no Aspinall. That's right. There is no Aspinall in these pills. These pills are Aspinall-free. Want to see how they work? Here comes the science bit. This is your body. And this is the Aspinall. Do you really want that? No. <laughs> and nor do these guys. In my notes, I just wrote, uh, the no Aspinall sketch. Ah! Oh! <laughs> um, so this is like a year six level of sketch. Uh, I yeah. could have come up with this in year six because I had viewed television adverts for quite a long time. <laughs> And uh, even at that age was aware that sometimes they're quite playful with the truth. So they are essentially uh, advertising these pills and they repeat the phrase that there's no Aspinall. Now, maybe they've got a thing against Michael Aspinall or um, is there any other celebrity Aspinalls? Who's who's Michael Aspinall? Does he do Country File? Is 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 that him? I have absolutely no idea. Is uh, he a, is he a nice bloke? Is he a, is he a wrongun? Is he a wrongun? No, thing? he's he's just like a proper old school TV <laughs> presenter, but not in the Savile way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if anyone from the estate or uh, legal team of Michael Aspinall is listening, um, we we respect you, we love you, whoever you are, uh, and keep doing great things. Yeah, the gag is that there is like there is Aspinall. Whatever the, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> Even saying it out loud is so excruciating. <laughs> and and uh, I don't get it. I just like uh, it's like you said. Yeah, it's like a year. It's like a year six sort of end of year drama showcase level of shit. Did you see the Superman and Spider Man sketch? But seeing him just then made me realise how much I miss him. I feel so worthless. Hey, 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 what's brought all this on? You are super, man. You're a super man. You're a super man. 
You can have anyone you want. God, what I wouldn't give. Um, they've they've been on a night out, so they've gotten a London cab. Basically, I can't remember. Someone's broken up with someone, or and then, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my! <clears throat> take, um, take a drink. Take an Aspinall. <laughs> 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 um, uh, and then it, they start, they start talking, and it's revealed that they kind of have feelings for each other, and they they have Superman and Spider Man have a drunken snog, and there's the gag that you know. Spider-Man says to Superman, you are a Superman. Oh, oh my God. And then it gets a bit awkward and uh, Spider-Man leaves and Corden uh, starts singing Warwick Avenue um, <laughs> at the end of the sketch. Which is a very 2009 thing to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you remember 2009 when we were all just singing Warwick Avenue at the top of our voices? What a magical time that was. Uh, the golden um, years for me. <laughs> Um, that sounds fucking dreadful. Yeah, that sorry that I had to relay that to you. <laughs> I think that people need to know how bad this show was. Um, which is a shame because it, it started off with so much hype. Like, the early, the, the first episode debuted to an audience of 817,000, which is the most watched debut comedy show in BBC Three history. And th- this is like, this is peak BBC Three. This is like, mm-hmm. uh... Obviously, Horn and Corden. You've got they had the rights for Family Guy and American yeah. Dad, which drew huge numbers. There were things like Being Human that were on BBC Three. I I'd like seeing the BBC Three logo. I was like, yes, I remember this time. This was good. Uh, I on a side note, I miss BBC Three. I think taking it off the telly was such a mistake. Well, the rumours are they're bringing it back, aren't they? Because oh, of the, the success of, well, especially normal people recently. And oh, yeah. Of people just do nothing in this country. Uh, those... Fleet was, was Fleabag? No, that was BBC Two, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I can't remember. I, a lot of what I've referenced there I haven't seen, but. Uh... <laughs> they're all popular shows, yeah. I mean, you love a bit of normal people. I, I do, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a normal people podcast at the moment, <laughs> and. Um, God, what, what an extraordinary show. Um, Jeez. Oh, I know yeah, it didn't okay. do a thing for you, but, um, you know, you're a bloke, so... Um... <laughs> well, if, I, if you're going to get heat from the Notts County fans, I'm going to get heat from the, not, the uh, normal people fans now, bloody hell. And they're going to be um... far more ardent than any Notts County <laughs> fan you're going to be. Uh, well, moving away from normal people um, and back to Horn and Corden... Yeah, it it didn't do very well. It, it it only ran for one season, six episodes, despite the early hype and the reviews. Oh, the reviews are absolutely horrible. Um, what did you find in, on the review front? Uh, on the review front, uh, <laughs> one of uh, Sam Wollaston's Guardian review, um, mm-hmm. just listing how the the sketches. Uh, there's a sketch about a gay war reporter, a cock drawing class in a boys' school, Spider-Man and Superman meeting in a changing room, a bloke takes forever to reach an orgasm. Clever, see? It's crude. But that's not the problem. Crude can be funny. Not here, though, because of how artlessly it's done. Yeah, that is part of a much, much longer review. 
which I might just post on the Bad Things Facebook page because it's so funny. He really goes in on one uh, on on the show. Um, the New Statesman called it excruciating, as funny and as puerile as a sixth form review. The Times said it wasn't subtle and not very clever either, and it currently has a 2.9 rating on IMDb, which, as we know, is a mixture of critical and fan reviews. So nobody likes this. Not even the fans could raise it to the usual five that yeah. any bad film gets. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a rating this low on IMDb. I concur. Yeah, that's shockingly bad. Um... And, I mean, to be fair, to his credit, James Corden has come out and is very truthful about this. He gave an interview in 2010 where he said, The truth is, honestly, I'm not good at writing sketches and I'm not good enough to write a sketch show. It was a mistake. There's no point in doing something unless it's going to be as good as Big Train or The Fast Show. Why bother? And the absolute truth is, I wasn't good enough. Is that him being honest and reflective, or is that him trying to put out the dumpster fire, do you think? Because we get a lot of this from Corden in sort of trying to erase or apologise for some of the shit he did before he made it big. Yeah, you see him on TV and you think, oh, this guy just has, like, no no ability to be self-critical. Like, <laughs> um, But a lot of the interviews... Uh, I, I, like, I like James Corden when he gets honest and he's a bit grittier about things. I'd love to see more of that, but... Um, if you're a talk show host in America, I suppose you're not really afforded that opportunity at all. Mm. Yeah, I don't really like James Corden. He he smacks of very disingenuous to me. I don't know what it is about him. He just seems very... He seems very polished. He seems very, like, you know, nothing would stick to him. He, he, he doesn't seem very honest and very, very genuine to me. But maybe that's just because I'm a cynic. So when I read stuff like this, it does sound a bit like, oh, that was really bad, so I better just distance myself from it. And we'll see it a bit more with the film as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would actually recommend that you do watch some of these sketches from Horn Corden. Um, you won't find them funny, but I just want somebody to talk to about this, because I feel like we need to start a support group. <laughs> a support group for superheroes making out. <laughs> Well, there should be 817,000 people who saw that, so if you are one of them, do get in touch. However, as we mentioned, Horn and Corden wasn't the only dodgy thing that these two did in 2009, which brings us nicely to... Lesbian vampire killers. Oh boy, fucking hell. Well, what do you know about the background, Nathan, of this film? So, um, it uh, was a film that was unsurprisingly in development hell for a number of years, uh, written by Stuart Williams and Paul Hupfield. Um, they, they were challenged to think of the dumbest and yet most commercial title possible for a film, <laughs> hence we get LVK, yep. um, and they went away and wrote the script. Um, so they were MTV producers, and they intended this to be if if only this had been the 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 the, uh, the reality, um, they intended this to be a straight to DVD B movie mm. uh, with Hupfield set to direct, and actually Williams himself was going to play Fletch. 
Um, I don't know anything about uh, these guys, really, apart no, from that they are producers. The film is directed by uh, someone from Barry St. Edmunds. Yes, which is half an hour down the road from where I was born. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know, oh, I didn't I know spent, it was that way. Spent many a lovely summer in Barry St. Edmunds. Abbey Gardens, if you're uh, if you're local to the area, will uh, we'll know what a lovely place that is to have an ice cream. Love a bit of Barry St. Edmunds. Um, so... <laughs> Barry St. Edwards. <laughs> um, Phil Claydon is his name. Uh, he also did a film called Big Nothing um, with uh, another cliche, uh, oh, we need to do a British comedy actor, Simon Pegg. <laughs> and also David Schwimmer is in that film. What Simon Pegg and David Schwimmer did a film together. <laughs> Apparently. Well, it, it's called Big Nothing, so that probably tells you everything you need to know. Well, look, for, look out for that on a uh, Bad Things poll soon. Clayden describes the film as influenced by Ghostbusters with a mix of Hammer Horror. Have you ever seen any Hammer Horror? I haven't, no. My dad is a massive Hammer Horror fan. Oh, it's just so... d- drenched in this wonderful Technicolor. Oh, so good. But also... I've never seen a full film, just to confirm. <laughs> it's stuff like Dracula and Frankenstein and um, bits and pieces. Wasn't it like um, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee yeah. and Boris Boris, Car- Boris Karloff? <laughs> He's back! <laughs> I would cut my legs and tits off so. to be directed by Phil Claydon. <laughs> Schwimmer. Um, <laughs> so, the, um, oh, not again. <laughs> Get your Aspinall. For God's oh, sake, I told no you to have it ready. So the, the film is set in a village called Cragitch. Is that the right way of saying it? I don't fucking know. Or Cragwitch. It's, it's spelt Cragwitch, yeah. Um, um, yeah, but I, I think they pronounce it Cragwitch. I, I, I don't fucking know. It's not a real place. It's based on a village called Cramwitch, uh, which is just outside of Thetford Forest. Have you been there? I have not, no. No, I haven't. Um, Did you I get don't... down the population number? <laughs> No, I reserve that um, level of scrutiny just for the placement in the races on I Want to Marry Harry. <laughs> um, 60. 60 people. What? Wow, there's 60 people that live there? Yep. That's but, well, ridiculous. I think that's quite an old census, but yeah. Uh, the Wikipedia information, which we must of course take with a pinch of salt, was 60 people. That is incredible. There's probably more people as extras in this fucking film. <laughs> um, it was filmed at Luton Who. Uh <laughs> Which uh, we can't seem to escape country houses on this, which is a country house estate. Luton Who. I assume that's Who, H-double-O. Yes, it did, uh, not, <laughs> not with a question mark at the end. Luton Who? Luton Who. I'll play that, Clifford. Tell me about Blue. Who? Oh? Blue. Blue who? Blue what? Colour? What? Blue? The baby. Oh, the baby! From TV Burp. <laughs> Um, oh, I love that clip. And Three Mills Film Studio, uh, which is a bigger development in Bromley by... Is it Bo? It is Bo, isn't it? Is Bromley it? By Bo. Bromley who? Bromley who? <laughs> um, can, can we talk about the cast? I, ju- I just wanted to say, um, before we get on the cast, I did follow Phil Claydon on Twitter yeah. in the hopes that he would get back to me. Uh, yet to do so. Uh, so we may- I may have been Megan Jones by Phil Claydon, which is a shame. Generic salutations, loyal listener. It's Jacob here, but not in this current timeline. I'm actually recording this the day before this episode comes out, so about two or so weeks after we recorded it. Now, you just heard me say that I followed Phil Claydon, the director of Lesbian Vampire Killers, on Twitter, 
but he never got back to me. Well, as we've seen in spades this year, a lot can change in just two weeks, and lo and behold, he did eventually write me back. Not only did he write me back, but he also agreed to an interview. We'll be posting the full interview with Phil in the next couple of days, but for now, please enjoy this little snippet of my chat with the director of Lesbian Vampire Killers. Now, I've danced around the issue of um, (laughs) the fact that the film didn't get very good reviews. You are being very polite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a diplomat, Phil, at heart. Um, What did did that feel like um, when you were reading these reviews of the film and they didn't come out maybe as as well as you'd hope? What what, what was that like? Do you know what? didn't affect me. I was like, we've made a move, movie. James Corden and Matt Horn, who's who's Stella, and the axe was coming back. And after they'd done the Brits and show which he pulled forward to get in front of lesbian vampire killers, it was like she's done a film <laughs> with these guys that the media want to rip apart. You you're literally walking into the mouth of the great white shark, and that's kind of, that's kind of fair. How it was, a lot of the reviews were kind of like nasty in the attack on James, which was kind of unfair. Um, but it, it, they didn't kind of like, I think if you made something that you're proud of and you can stand by, you know, everyone would like a movie to come out and be like, oh, critically embraced and beautiful, make loads of money and all that kind of stuff. But if you can walk away and you as the filmmaker can hold your head up high, it's like those things won't affect you too much. Honestly, a huge thank you to Phil Clayden, a really nice, genuine, down-to-earth guy. And remember, you can hear my full chat with him in the next few days. Just stay tuned to Bad Things on social media for all the details. But for now, it's back to the episode. I did not recognise anybody apart from one person. Um, well, obviously, apart from Horden Corden, who star in the lead roles as Jimmy and Fletch respectively. Did you recognise any of the women who are in this film? (laughs) You've dropped me in it. You've dropped me in it. (laughs) So, there is someone in this film who plays Eva. Uh, Mm. uh, She is Vera Vilatova, and we're going to make another Peep Show reference on today's podcast, because she is Elena from Peep Show. Is she? Uh, She is indeed. Oh my god. Right, this this is where you've got to play in Fuck You Bush, the the poem from Peep Show. (laughs) Fuck you, Bush. Fuck you, Bush. It's time to get out of Iraq, Bush. What were you even doing there in the first place, Bush? You didn't even get properly elected, Bush. Are you happy now, Bush? Fuck you, Bush. Wow. I love the way the last line is the same as the first line. Thanks. I did that on purpose. I love how it starts and ends with the same line. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Um, Yeah, I didn't recognise that. Did you recognise anybody else? No. (laughs) (laughs) Who did you recognise? Well, I recognised uh, James Corden, Matt Horn, obviously, and the only other, well, really the only other man in this film, the vicar, who's only played by Paul Bloody McGann. Never heard of Paul McGann until You've this. Never heard of Paul McGann? No, sorry, it sounds like a schoolmate. <laughs> Have you not seen Whitley and I? No. Oh, that's a cracking, I think you'd really like that film. Nothing much happens. So yeah, Paul McGann, uh, who was Doctor Who in the ill-fated Doctor Who TV movie, uh, in the 90s, which may well be coming up on this show at some point. Um, a very accomplished actor, who is far too good to be in this tripe. Uh, but other than that, I recognised 
exactly nobody. I've I've got a couple of other niche uh, anecdotes for the for the cast <laughs> members, if I okay. may. Yeah, no, knock um, yourself out. So the vicar's daughter, Rebecca, played by Emma Kenny. Um, <laughs> this is a horrific anecdote. Anecdote. In 2010, Kenny was painted by Rolf Harris. Oh no! Oh. As uh, is it Titania from Shakespeare's A Midsummer yeah. Night's Dream? Yeah, Titania. Uh, for, oh, for, yeah. For, for for an edition of BBC TV's Arena series entitled "Rolf Harris Paints His Dream." Oh no! <laughs> um, thank you for that. <laughs> That's utterly horrifying. That we're called bad things for a reason. <laughs> Oh well, that's the first wrong end of the uh, of the episode. Well done. There's a couple of other loose ends. So, Kil- Sylvia Kalocha. I hope I've spelled that. Uh, <laughs> that's been completely that butchered. Kal- I'm just so. I'm basically Boris Johnson. Um, uh, as Carmilla. Yeah. Why isn't it just Camilla? Why can't oh, anyway? I don't fucking know. Um, she's well known for being a cook as well. Um, okay. And uh, Myanna Burring as Lottie, uh, she was also in Twilight Breaking Dawn. Uh, we could have a Twilight series on this podcast, I feel like. <laughs> or oh, you want to talk about things that are going to make the audience upset. A lot of love for Twilight. Weird. Yeah, uh, very weird. I mean, there's, obviously everyone's hot in it, but that's <laughs> not really anything to sink your teeth into. Wait, wait. I see what you did there. Hey. hey. Another yeah. accidental one. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the cast is a, is a, a who's who, and a, a, a Luton who's who of <laughs> background actors and extras. And boy, does it show, because the acting in this is about as wooden as the stakes that you would use to kill the titular character. Um, I don't have much else to say on the background of the film, apart from a few notes on the DVD. Uh, <laughs> I, you watched this digitally, didn't you? I did. I bought this on a well-known platform... <laughs> We're not the BBC. We can advertise. Uh, okay, I, uh, re- I I bought this just in case I needed to watch it again uh, mm-hmm. for I think it was three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. Wow! Uh, shout out to the devil himself, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Send some of that trillion my way, Jeff. There are some amazing notes on the DVD cover. Firstly, it comes with a fake explicit content warning. Do you want to know what it says? Does it just say, like, oh, boobs? <laughs> You're not far off. It says, warning, contains explicitly fit, blood-sucking hotties. Oh, my God. <laughs> 2009. <laughs> that really does set the tone for the rest of the film. Uh, it's also got some reviews on the DVD. Uh, the Daily Star, we jumped to their defence earlier in this podcast. We're now going to rip it to shreds. They gave it 10 out of 10. <laughs> calling it lewd, crude, and very, very funny. It's two of those things. There's a review that says, Boobs, jokes, and lesbian vamps. It's the funniest flick of 2009. Do you know who said that? Well, it's post-recession. No wonder it's the funniest flick. Uh, Yeah, go on. Who said that? Nuts magazine. Oh, right, okay. I was going to say Piers Morgan or something. (laughs) Uh, And there is a quote from Jonathan Ross on the cover that just says, Bloody fangtastic. Well, we'll get into the Mark Commode review later on. That'll, <laughs> yes. that'll set the world to rights. I think with all the preamble out of the way, Nathan, are we ready to revisit, quote-unquote, the funniest flick of 2009? Could we give ourselves a pat on the back for only taking 41 minutes as well? Well done, us. Oh, yeah. Well done.
centuries ago, during the dawn of the Red Moon, our peaceful hamlet was terrorized by a beast. Born, not of man, but spewed forth from the fieriest pits of Hades, with an evil fueled by a hatred of men and a love of women. Its name, Camilla, the Vampire Queen. No one could defeat her save one man, a baron, away for decades fighting in the Crusades. Upon his return, the baron found that Camilla's desires had ensnared his beautiful wife, Eva, and turned her into a lover of the Virgine. So we open with a flashback and we meet Carmilla, who I've spelt as Camilla in the notes uh, because I didn't realise that was her name. Uh, she is a vampire queen and she's also a lesbian, which is which is nice. There's this baron dude who's like who's come back from the Crusades. Carmilla's got his wife, um, and it's, okay. So like the, the thing is that Carmilla turns women into vampires. They also become lesbians for reasons. I don't uh, really and, know why. An evil filled by a hatred of men and a love of women. <laughs> oh, God's sake. Uh, so she turns his wife into a lesbian. This upsets Matt Horn. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, the Baron is played by Matt Horn. Uh, so he builds a special sword from something called the Book of Necros, which never comes up ever again. Uh, <laughs> the sword is infused with his own blood, uh, and he uses the sword to kill the vampire... But then the vampire puts a curse on him, and it's a really confusing curse. It's something about like the last, the last of the Baron's bloodline will mix with a virgin girl, and then bring Carmilla back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I so is there a double curse going on? Is there so there's a perpetual lesbianism curse going on? <laughs> One, if that if that was some sort, I mean, it would be great for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the other curse, the other curse being the like like super curse, where like this really niche thing would have to happen, where the bloodline <laughs> would end, and also someone would have to be because uh, like, like most people aren't virgins in their sort of. Mi- mi- is that an okay thing to say? <laughs> sort of statistically true right well this was you know this happened during the time of the crusades which was like the 1200s so you know at different times nathan we can't judge her for that okay sorry so, they're, <laughs> sorry they're sorry to the 1200s their, their curse was historically inaccurate because <laughs> marriage doesn't matter anymore <laughs> yeah i think this was a time before divorce um but yeah there's this other curse that like for some reason all the girls in the village turn into lesbian vampires when they turn 18 and there's also a prophecy about the descendant of the baron coming back to the village to end the curse blah 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 um it's it's rubbish <laughs> uh when it started i was like shit if i turn on game of thrones or something <laughs> like <laughs> and i don't like that shit as well so this is super oh, no, you're just you're just courting fucking controversy in this yeah, in I am. this episode now, bloody hell, Nathan's cranky. Um, so yeah, this all sort of take place, and this sets up a, a little motif throughout the film where it's presented like a weird comic book. Like we yeah. get text on the screen, we get stupid fucking sound effects. What were your initial thoughts based on this opening sequence? 
intentionally like a B movie setup, I think was my main takeaway. Some like somewhere between uh, a comic book, an epic movie, and Game of Thrones. Somewhere in there, we got lesbian vampire killers. Um, I picked out the fact that they uh, they just couldn't say vagina, so they went with uh, the in betweeners esque the vagine. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of horrible words for genitalia in this film, and that is one of them. I mean, just to cover up the fact they can't say the scientific word for some <laughs> reason, so we, we get the vagine, vagine which yeah. I never want to say again. <laughs> we, we get early rumblings of um, having uh, homosexual tendencies somehow be a, being a sexuality below being straight. I thought that was like a real theme that carried on throughout the uh, movie. Mm. Um, it was rough, but probably s- several rungs more entertaining than what we're going to get to in a minute. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. And on your point, I think 2009, uh, was that, were gay jokes still a thing? Were they like still acceptable? Well, there's, there's still a thing now, unfortunately. <laughs> but not in like mainstream media. I think it's we we very much turned a corner on that in the mainstream, but like this was very much the time of like where where like lesbians were like a, a comedic tool, um, and if if a, a woman was a lesbian in in a piece of fiction, it would be like she'd either be the stereotypical like butch lesbian or she'd be like the hot lesbian, and that would be funny somehow. Just stop downplaying people's sexual preferences, mm. like these just people's lives. <laughs> like, um, yep. uh, strange attitude to have we carry on into the film and we get up to the present day where we meet Matt Horn's character Jimmy who is being dumped by his girlfriend uh, this is here what's her name again? Uh, Judy? is that oh, it? Judy I think or, yeah. yeah it is Judy it yeah. could have been Julie I mean <laughs> they, they sort of br- like brush over the name because she's a woman like, it's just oh. Yeah, and Judy's character is... I think it's Judy. I'm going to go with Judy. Um, Her character is essentially... She's got Jimmy by the balls. She's sort of, like, broken up with him seven or eight times now, and she only really comes back to him when her other sexual exploits fail. She's got, like, a sexy secretary vibe thing going on, which basically everyone does in this film. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of open white blouses and glasses and sort of long curly hair. Uh, It's everything you're imagining at home. As for James Corden, we meet his character next. Uh, he's called Fletch. Um, he's talking to a lady called Mrs. Rossi, who for some reason is credited in the opening titles of this film, but is only in it for about five minutes. Yeah, well, there were credits at the end as well, right? Yeah, yeah, oh. there were. It's really weird. I don't like when when this was introduced. I was like, oh, is she going to come back? No, we never see her again. <laughs> I don't really know why. Maybe they had to like balance out the the screen. Maybe she needed to fill the space or something. I don't know. Um, Fletch is a clown and that's not me having a go that's his actual job he is dressed as a clown uh, and he's being sacked from his job at the clown department <laughs> it's, uh, it's, the, it's the film that uh, the director of Joker watched before <laughs> uh, before the Joaquin Phoenix uh, film God. last year why is Fletch sacked from the clown department Nathan? he doesn't like children and he punches them <laughs> He punched a seven-year-old. 
yeah, um, and as Miss Rossi rightly points out, it sort of is a prerequisite as a clown to uh, get on with children, which is why I will never be a clown. <laughs> also, I don't think clowns don't have a place in society anymore. Do you remember when those clowns were like on the streets trying to kill people? Oh, yeah, what? when was that? That was, was 20, that? 2016. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. I didn't know whether it was like London riot time or around <laughs> that time. No, that was uh, somehow a more normal time when it was just clowns um, we had to had to worry about rather than the impending destruction of humanity. We then get the comic book style opening. Jimmy and Fletch are in the pub. They're chatting about how shit their lives are. Fletch says that Jimmy needs an adventure and then says, I'm not going to bum you or anything. It's always good to get that ironed out, isn't it? You know, you know when I come and see you in Norwich, I often, just as a little PS on, on Facebook Messenger, I might put, you know, don't worry, I'm not going to bum you and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I hate the joke, but I do find the phrase bum very funny because I'm a child. That's why you got on with um, Matt Hicks so well, isn't it? He was all about the bum. Did you just touch my mouth? They then start talking about going to Ibiza, and this is oh, where... Oh, God. Have you got the quote? Well, I've just got the quote. The, the, the suggestion is to go to Ibiza uh, for the, the specific re- reason of getting the fanny. Ibiza. Sun, sea, sand, clubs and fanny. Lots and lots of fanny. Loads and loads of fanny. A gargantuan amount of virgin. All wanting to shag you, Jimmy McLaren, and it. There's a few stragglers hanging around who fancy a little go on me, then so be it. Oh, there we go again. <laughs> the, the, the Vagine is back as well. The Vagine counter. Uh, tally that up. Uh, Jimmy can't go to Ibiza because he's skint. And then we randomly cut to, quote-unquote, somewhere in suburbia. And I've put, it's a woman in a skimpy black dress knocking on the door. And then my second note is, apparently it's Judy, Jimmy's girlfriend, but I did not recognise her. <laughs> Did you notice in this scene that Judy and the man's wife were essentially the same person? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> because Judy, I, I assume she's having an affair with this guy. She knocks on the door. She's like, oh, I've broken up with my boyfriend. Fuck me. Uh, and then an identical looking woman appears behind you saying him. saying fuck me is terrifying. <laughs> Nathan, I'm not going to bum you or anything. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to bum you. <laughs> the prerequisite uh, <laughs> of any camping trip. <laughs> Oh, I was about to make a joke about the Scouts, but no, we're not going to go there. Um, oh, we've already had Rolf today, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> no, I'm on dodgy ground as it is. Uh, yeah, Judy said, like, the woman asks, who are you? Judy says, I'm his girlfriend. She replies with, I'm his wife. Classic lols. Uh, and she tells her to go away. Uh, yeah, don't really know why this had to be in the film. <laughs> and the guy says, in my defence, I never meant you for you to find out. Man, we're back to the pup, and Jimmy and Fletcher are whopping six points in. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, Jimmy suggests going hiking. Fletch hates it and calls him a penis. Uh, we then... <laughs> so they'll say it was the official term. <laughs> I was going to say, they'll say penis, but they have to say fucking vagine. Um, Jimmy decides that he's going to throw a dart at a map, and wherever the dart lands... That's where they'll go on their holiday. The dart has a naked lady on it. And poor pub owner, like, he set up a dartboard and people are just throwing them <laughs> at maps. It, look, it definitely looked like that map was behind some glass as well. 
So I was really hoping it was just going to bounce straight off. That would have been hilarious. Uh, are you any good at darts? Well, obviously not, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a classic to play down the pub, isn't it? Oh, just yeah. get, the, get the darts out, just throw them about, um, yeah. not be very good. Uh, and then maybe occasionally get hit the uh, 20 or a triple 20 and say to yourself that you've done a good job. Yeah, yeah. nobody remembers the rules. Yeah, it's all great. Do you, do uh, you like, have you got any favourite dart players? Uh, okay, so here's a fact. I was really into darts for about a year when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, so I remember was Ted... this BBC darts? Yes, this was. Of this course was the... <laughs> it was. Of course it was BDO. It was me down Lakeside. It was fucking great. Wait, uh, what, what, what's is it? B, BDO's the lesser one, isn't it? I'm trying to remember now. I have there's no two idea. different leagues. Yeah, it's a bit like boxing, where there's just a million different dance championships, yeah. and Phil the Power Taylor won them all. <laughs> It's uh, Yeah, I watched darts quite prolifically when I was young. I remember Ted Hankey. I was a big fan of Ted Hankey. <laughs> Just because of the name. <laughs> it's a great name. Uh, Martin Wolfie Adams. Yeah, I was a big yeah. fan of Martin Wolfie Adams. Um, big shout out to, and I'm really sorry I've forgotten her name, the lady who uh, did very well in the darts championship. Fallon Chirac. That's her name. Uh, yeah, she became the first woman to win. Uh, yeah, she became the first woman to win at the PDC World Dance Championship. So well done. Uh, sorry to mention you in the same context as this fucking terrible film. Uh, I, I've got a couple of shout outs. My, <laughs> my favourite all time darts player, Raymond Van Barneveld. <laughs> Definitely. Who the fuck um, is he? You've never heard of Raymond Van, Van Varneveld? No, why would I have heard of Raymond Van Varneveld? classic, classic darts player. Um, and also, uh, do you remember Andy Fordham, the Viking? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I've oh seen him God. in person. Wow. Did you yeah. go to Lakeside? No, I didn't. He turned up at my, my, one of my former places of work. Oh, wow. Um, you have had a, yeah. a few run-ins with some, uh, some sporting people. Didn't you almost go to the same Christmas party as Michael Owen? Uh, I have se- I've seen Michael Owens doing a few interviews around the building that I used to work in. Yeah, um, I never saw Zola. I think I would have oh. died. I would have absolutely died if I saw Gianfranco Zola. And of course, um, there is the the legendary story of when you once held the door open for Boris Becker. And yeah, and also the same Wimbledon Championships. Um, John Burko. Uh, oh wow! Back to the film. And he throws the dart, and it lands in Norfolk. Hooray! Ah, hey. oh, we love a bit of Norfolk, don't we, Nathan? We do. Great Yarmouth yeah. and yeah. Great Yarmouth. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh, for context, for those who don't know, we both went to university in Norfolk. I still live here. Uh, a very proud Norfolk, well, adopted Norfolk boy. And, yeah, it lands in the fictional village of Cragwich, and, and in all seriousness, Norfolk is so nice. Yeah, it really is. I am very happy to be quarantined here, uh, as slow as the pace of life can be. It is a lovely, lovely place to go outside and get some fresh air. God, we sound like the fucking tourist board. <laughs> I would happily work for the Norwich tourist board. <laughs> uh, do you want to know what the back of the DVD says about this film? Go on. It says, it's set in Wales. What? The blurb of the DVD says, Award-winning comedy duo James Corden and Matthew Horn decide to escape their problems and head to Wales for a weekend of debauchery. (laughs) (laughs) The DVD doesn't even know where the film's set. And debauchery is a very, like, (laughs) kind term. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. Uh, Yeah, so they decide to go to this weird village. Uh, The dart lands perfectly in the little dot 
um, in this village, which for some reason is on the map. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, so they go off uh, to Cranwich. Uh, they're hiking through the woods when Judy rings up Jimmy while she's driving, 2009, different times. Uh, she begs for him back, but because it's Norfolk, there's no phone signal. Uh, Fletch destroys Jimmy's phone. Like, he grabs yeah. it out of his hands and fucking, like, batters it on the floor. It explodes into a million pieces, which is a massive overreaction. Uh, I think it was supposed to be funny, and it's just not. <laughs> no. Um, and, not... well, fair, fair play to Corden for uh, destroying that phone, because before the iPhone, phones were very hard to, uh, <laughs> to break down. He's deceptively powerful, is James Corden. Why don't just take a little rest? We're getting a stitch. We've only been walking for three minutes. No, but you're not walking. You're virtually running. It's like you're in a mood with me or something. Oh, I can't imagine why that would be. Can you? You're getting a real attitude all of a sudden. Oh, fuck off. No, you fuck off. Can we talk about Matt Horn's terrible acting? Uh, in, in, in which bit? <laughs> the entire film. <laughs> Especially this bit. He's so wooden here. Did you not think so? He, yeah, I don't, I don't know where. I mean, obviously he fits into Gavin, mm. but where else does he fit in? Well, not this because he's so. He's just like he's completely dead-eyed. Like the delivery is so emotive, emotionless, and wooden. It's really bad. And like in Gavin and Stacey, he's fine. He's not a bad actor at all. I just don't. I don't understand. Like. Why he's so bad here? Maybe he just didn't care. Maybe Did he you just find wasn't... the editing quite stilted as well? I didn't pick up on this, no. What do you mean? It, it was like kind of fast paced, but just they, they didn't have the rhythm in. It's tough to explain. Mm. Uh, just like click my fingers or something like that. <laughs> that but ticking they, noise. It went the, t- the ticky noise. Um, it just. It, it was. Um, it was like they were trying to do quick cuts, but there was a, like a. Too many frames going on or something hmm. uh, throughout. Yeah, they do jump around a lot because we, we're probably about 15 minutes in and we've already been... We've been in the past. We've been in Jimmy's flat, the pub. We've been with Judy in suburbia. We cut between those two things. Then we cut to Jimmy, uh, Judy in her car. Then Jimmy and Fletcher hiking. Then they're in the, the village centre. It, it is a bit... Yeah, it's a bit all over the place in terms of the structuring. So we get to the centre of Cragwich and Fletch can't walk because he's fat. Hilarious. Uh, they're arguing. Uh, Jimmy says, oh, but there's probably going to be girls here. Fletch is like, nah, absolutely not. And then a shitload of women walk out of a church. <laughs> but it's... Is it a church? <laughs> it looks like a church. I think it's later revealed to be a pub. But, yes. well, as, as we know from living in Norwich, most things used to be churches here. So yeah, that's like fine. the Norwich Arts Centre. <laughs> yes, which used to be a church. And the antique shop that used to be a church. And the second antique shop that used to be a church. Uh, yep, a shitload of attractive young women come out of the pub. They climb over the fence. They climb over on the sort of style thing. And we fully see their underpants. Yep, there's, uh, there's no holding back on this editing. It's, nope. it's all there. The vagine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Just to clarify, you do not see any actual vagine. They've all got the sec- this sec- weird, like, secretary look thing going on. It's, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, and they're all like, you can tell they've been cast because they look really young. They look like teenagers. They've got, like, the short shorts on and the sort of ruffled blouse and the long blonde hair and the vest tops. And 
it's it's classic like lads fodder with the, this selection of women here and and the ta- the orange tan thing yeah that's very that's very 2008 to <laughs> early 2010s kind of stuff the girls get into a camper van and they drive away um <laughs> I was like, oh, is it the Woodstock? Oh, no, it's Leslie Campbell. Okay. <laughs> if only. Um, yeah, Jimmy's like, oh, there are the women. Uh, they want to go in the pub where the where the women came from. Jimmy says no. And Fletch says, are you some kind of eunuch or something? <laughs> Surprised he knows the word eunuch. Yeah. They go looking for the women when they find it's full of haggard old men, which is extremely accurate for Norfolk. Yeah, did you? Oh, jeez. So it's called the Baron's Rest. Yes. Of course, the pub. Did you note what Fletch said? <laughs> I think this is... I've got it down as Jimmy saying this. Oh, maybe it was Jimmy. Who wants, to, mean, say, who wants to say it? Uh, I, I, he says, it's like some medieval gay bar, okay? <laughs> Just a reminder, this isn't, you know, this isn't Greenwich Village. We're not in, you know, Stonewall territory. We're in Cragish. <laughs> uh, this isn't heaven. This is this is a G A Y O A P edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. So, despite their weird reaction and quite verbally saying that line, um, they get free flagons of of beer. Yeah, I don't really know why they get free beer. Um, the the bartender is trying to do a Norfolk accent. It sounds like a West Country accent. Uh, but maybe that's just my Norfolk bias coming through. Did you notice that one of the patrons in the bar had... <laughs> it's my next note. Is this the sheep? It is. Just got a stuffed sheep. <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's, it's so obviously not real. It's like it's made of wood. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my lord. And then we swerve from like this really absurd humour to a fucking horrible line from oh. Jimmy. Have you got this one as well? Yeah. They're you're doing the... this. I did. The, I did the medieval gay bar <laughs> one. You're doing this one. Yeah, they're they're drinking the beer. Everyone's watching, and Jimmy says, "I'm worried. I'm going to get raped." <sighs> oh, God Almighty! Like, you look at the guys, and you're like, "Just outrun them." If that's <laughs> the case, like, if that's an honest, rational thought that you're having, these men are so old, you're going to be okay. They have a combined age of the entire Earth, so they're drinking the beer. They're trying not to get raped, Jesus. Uh, and well, speaking of Jesus, the vicar bursts in, and for some reason confronts the bartender. Uh, his daughter is with him, uh, who's called Rebecca, and Fletch makes some creepy-ass comments. I've called him... Hey, Rebecca! (laughs) I've called him Fletch the Lech in my notes. Nice! Thank you. The vicar's trying to rally the bar to his cause to, like, kill the lesbian vampires, but no one's really interested. Also, Paul McGann is the only person in this village who is under the age of 80. And he's about 45. (laughs) He's really old, too. Uh, and then the vicar glances over at Jimmy and recognises him as a descendant of the Baron, uh, and then just sort of leaves. It's a bit weird. It's like a weird Christian "Who do you think you are?" thing <laughs> going on. The bartender sends them on their way to a cottage where they can rest for the night, and we then catch up to the girls in the camper van. <laughs> Thank you. 
happy. We're screwed. Yeah. Great. I like you so much better nowhere. when you're naked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's Bob Dylan again, but it is. Has he come up in every episode? Oh, he's, he's, he is just the omniscient American music presence, isn't he? He really is, yeah. Yeah, so they're listening to this weird song, and one of my low-key favourite bits of the film is their van breaks down, and the song, like, slows down as if it's being played on a record. That's yeah. not how it would work. It would just go. It would stop, yeah. yeah it's being played on a CD. It's and like this... when I was, uh, I was on the, the ride Stealth once, and uh, it was like, it, it did that thing where it, it was like, three, two, and just dies, <laughs> and... Um, we had to get off, and oh, uh, we got a free pass though to go on it again, so oh. it's fine. You went? Did you go on it in the end? Yes, we did. Yeah, and it wasn't one of those where it decided to go backwards either, so that was good. Oh, that's good. Uh, is that the really quick one, Stealth? That's the one that's really high and really quick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Theme parks. Um, yeah, I've I have so many notes on what nationality the girls are. <laughs> Pseudo-German? Yeah, I thought they were American at first. But then there's one girl who... They've got a bit of that sort of making a murder a Wisconsin (laughs) accent in there. There's this one girl called Trudy who I think her only line is ya. Yep, ya-ya. Ya-ya. So they must be Germanic. uh, Swedish? Danish? I don't, I don't know. It's uh, whatever they are. They they are the accents are terrible. They are fucking awful, awful accents. <laughs> and the van breaks down. Something's moving around outside. Uh, everyone's a bit scared. It gets a bit sort of creepy. Uh, the van doors fly open, and outside is Fletch and Jimmy, which is far scarier than any vampire. <laughs> Yeah, this is like the Kragich Bermuda Triangle, isn't it? Like, no electrical device can go beyond this point. (laughs) Did you note the names of the girls? Uh, Of course not. (laughs) What the fuck does it matter? (laughs) I was trying to write them down. I got... Uh, Trudy, as the the one who said "yar" all the time. Well, She's actually, a... well, I've got the I've got my cast notes, so I guess I could kind of join the dots. Yeah, okay. But from when you were watching it the first time, did you manage to note down who was who? Just Lottie, who's the nice one, yes. basically. Yeah, Lottie, who is played by the lady who was in Twilight. Um, one of them is called Anki, I think. I don't think. Todd, what was his name? T- Tom Hankey. What was that? <laughs> Ted that... Hankey. Ted Hankey. Not Tom Hankey. Tom, Tom Hanks. Ted Hankey, the darts player in <laughs> Terminal. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and then I have absolutely no idea what the other one is called. I put, is her name Ernie? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Not a clue. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> There's an uncanny stroke of luck. These girls are all going to the exact same cottage that we are. Do you want to ride with us? Thanks, that's very nice of you. When in Rome? Be careful, you know what happens. Relax, it's fine. Oh, God. Okay, let's go. <laughs> 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 
Jimmy and Fletch meet up with them. Uh, they invite them into the van. They start passing around the tinnies. Uh, and Fletch starts on the old wackety-backety. Uh, he takes a big old puff and passes out instantly, which is not how marijuana works. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy and Lottie start flirting. Well, flirting, in inverted commas. Uh, This is painfully obvious. Um, Judy turns up at the pub looking for Jimmy. Um, Why? Why is she looking for him? Could she not just, like, find somebody else? (laughs) I mean, you've got to question it. You're on the eighth time round now, and Mm. you've dumped this guy seven times. You're probably not that into him, are you? Like, come on. (laughs) Show a bit of compassion. He must be really good at sex. Knowing the character, he's probably not going to say no, is he? <laughs> oh, God. Um, because a... she has a vagine. <laughs> he's such a doormat. Um, then we go back to the van. We end up at this weird fucking cottage thing. Uh, I've dubbed the women the German girls aloud. Yeah, I like it. They've Thank got you. kind of sound of the underground clothing going <laughs> yeah, on. They yeah. do a little bit, yeah. Sorry. I'm going to make a compilation of all you you pretending to sing all the songs. We're going to release it for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Fraulein's allowed, uh, and the boys move into the cottage and immediately start partying, as you do. No no questioning about the fact that there's there's nobody here. Um, No questioning the fact the house is just abandoned in the middle of the forest, but I guess this is horror movie logic, which you can't really question. And, uh, yeah, bottoms up, cocks in, as they say. Bottoms up! Oh, my Lord. This is one of my favourite moments of the film, Mm -hmm. is so that the dance sequence happens. It's horrible, isn't it? It's just, oh. And James Corden, like, like, he was a big Take That fan. It's quite good at Mm. dance routines, but this is just terrible. Um... Jimmy and um, Lottie break off to have one of the only, like, genuine chats <laughs> of the whole film. And she says, we're students of folklore. Now, if that isn't a millennial bullshit course, <laughs> and that's coming from someone who did American literature at university, I don't know what is. I've put exactly the same thing. <laughs> of course you have. It's such an obvious ploy to have them as, like, sexy students. It's just... It's fucking ridiculous. Although I guess it does explain why three German, question mark, women have come on holiday to to Norfolk. (laughs) Why is that... Ugh, it's just... Yeah. Fucking awful. Do you realise the... the, What is it? Six or seven people who end up on holiday there. They've, like, upped the population (laughs) by 10%. (laughs) And decrease the average age by about 4,000 years. <laughs> oh, medieval gave up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Jimmy's distracted by a painting of Carmilla. Lottie tells the story of Carmilla. Uh, we get a shot of the portrait. It then zooms in on the portrait's tits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we then get something much worse. Uh, Wigfield, Saturday night. And the two women whose names I can't remember go outside to, quote-unquote, make a piss. <laughs> I didn't notice the make a piss line. That's great. One of them was like, I have to go and make a piss. <laughs> Which is um, all right. Well, of course they were peeing because girls don't shit. <laughs> yes, yes. According to this film's logic, they don't fart either. Um, Trudy is dancing with Fletch, who... <laughs> 
I've put in my notes, I found this quite funny, but I don't know whether it's just because it was ludicrous. She's dancing and, like, sort of grinding up against his ass, and Fletch mouths to Jimmy, she's pretending to bum me. <laughs> I didn't see this! Did you not see this? Oh, God. <laughs> Can I just, like, I think this is as now a good a time as any to bring this up, but this is not the sort of comedy that these guys are famous for. Like, Gavin and Stacey is, is sometimes a bit crude, but it's nowhere near this level. Yeah, it's like social comedy, isn't it? It's mm. This is... Oh, jeez. I mean, the next bit I've got is they there's the difference in the breaking off of conversation from Jimmy and uh, Lottie to Jimmy and Fletch is extraordinary because... Jimmy's taking his time in deciding um, which one of these girls might be of most interest to him um, because that's how you should do things <laughs> or maybe not get with any of them at all and see how that goes. Um, and Fletch says, which one do you want? You're such a fucking ponce. Oh, God. And then, yeah, Jimmy's like, oh, I like Lottie because she's got a pure spirit. And Fletch is like, yeah, well, I like Trudy because she's got big tits. And never speaks. <sighs> It's so obvious. It's such a... You could see this joke a mile away. I, I say joke. It's not very funny. But it's just like... They, they must have just opened the book of stupid lad's humour and just picked out every single cliche from it. It's weak. It's weak. Were you around for the lad Bible days before it became this weird liberal hub? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. What happened to the lad Bible? It's still going, but it's yeah. like... Uh, a sort of clickbait but not horrible uh, laddish posts mm. anymore yeah I, I, I still follow it on Facebook and it, it like live streams the coronavirus news briefings every day <laughs> next they'll be calling themselves LAD Bible yeah. as well to further separate themselves LED will stand for something like liberal army of I don't know dumb. dicks <laughs> So while all so this, were you about to say Durham? I was going to say Durham. Yeah. Oh, two hundred and sixty-four miles. <laughs> we get the two forgettable women who go outside to make the piss. Um, they go to the toilet and like, I can't. One of them, the blonde one, is having a wee. Anki question mark is attacked outside the loo, um, and like, yeah, it's pretty standard horror movie stuff. I'm amazed we don't see an actual shot of her having a piss. That is remarkable restraint. They might as well have thrown it in, right? (laughs) She may as well have just pissed on the fucking camera. Um, Yeah, and then, like... um, Yeah, it cuts around all over the place. Um, The blonde one goes... I I keep calling her the blonde one because I I don't know her name and the film made no effort to tell me. Um, Anki's vanished, so the blonde one goes out to investigate and then a vampire appears behind her in the loo. How did she get in? She just did like what those snakes do in Australia and just sort of slid it <laughs> up there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> um, back in the cottage, uh, the folklore students who believe in all this stuff, it's important to remember that, uh, have decided to spend their evening in an abandoned cottage getting drunk. That seems sensible. Uh, Trudy then goes to have a shower. So this cottage has a shower, but not she an She doesn't inside... just have a shower. <laughs> Well, she goes to have a shower, which I just find very strange because the cottage doesn't have an inside toilet, but it does have a shower. 
Yeah, that that's an architectural marvel, isn't it? That is. That's like my house, where there's a bathroom with a toilet and a bath in it, and then directly next to it, there's a, a separate room with just a toilet in it, but the shower is downstairs. Have you got your light sorted in that bathroom? <laughs> are we just having a conversation now? Yeah, we 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 are. I wanna I wanna know. Yeah, I wanna used, know if that. It used to be a strobe light. Essentially, it was flickering like mad. Uh, but yeah, I, I walked to home base in the before times and I changed the light bulb myself because I'm a man. Trudy's in the shower. Um, some vaguely sexy noises are happening while she's in there. Uh, Trudy goes off to investigate and a clearly s- fake spider just comes down on the window. And then the camera goes really weird. Did you notice this? Like there's some horrible, weird shake cam going on. I d- no, I didn't. I've just got that she screams at a spider. I didn't notice this. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, it's hardly that big spider from Chamber of Secrets, is it? <laughs> What's his name? Oh, oh, oh I can't remember. Arag- oh, Aragog. Aragog, yeah, that's, yeah it. that's it. That's it. Not not Shelob, that's the Lord of the Rings spider. Um, or Charlotte, the spider from Charlotte's Web. Then a vampire turns up, attacks Trudy, um, the lights go off and come back on seconds later. Um, they f- Jimmy tries to kick the door in of the bathroom... Uh, then Lottie kicks it and they do the classic sort of, oh, I must have loosened it up gag. It's not very funny. They find a blood-stained towel and there's a vampire hovering outside in the air uh, and they decide to go off to find Trudy. I've noted down that Trudy is getting sensually massacred. <laughs> it's how I described it. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like she is enjoying it in a weird way, but she's also being murdered. There's a lot of that in this film. There's a lot of it's a yeah, it's a classic vampire trope, isn't yeah. it? It's just all the way from Dracula onwards. Yeah, there's like bits where the vampires like they bite her in like really weird places. Like I think somebody bites her on the leg. Cool. <laughs> Give me that leg. Hi, you're through to Jimmy. Please. Make <laughs> you so done, Judy is driving through the forest um, on her endless quest to get Jimmy back. She breaks down uh, and the wind does like a weird thing where it like whispers her name. Um, That happens in about 30 seconds. Don't really know. (laughs) Don't really know why we needed to see that, but never mind. We go outside. Fletch is quite um, resistant to going after Trudy. Uh, They sneak around and they find some vampire sexy times. Oh, yeah. I... I'm not even sure I've got this down. Have you not got the Vampire Sexy Times? I don't even know where we're at anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you get this really wooden line of delivery from Lottie? It's impossible. It cannot be. Vampires. It's not possible. It cannot be. Vampires. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> oh, hi, Fletch. They find the vampires. Uh, Anki, Trudy and the blonde one have all been converted by... Is this Eva... Yes, she is called Eva. Yes, or Elena from Peepshow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is she the Baron's wife? <laughs> I <laughs> I've, I mean, I lost track at this point. Not only who everyone is, but who, who was previously in the film and is now a vampire, <laughs> who was not in the film previously but is a vampire, and who is yet to be turned, and who may or may not be turned... Uh, for the rest of the film, it, yeah, it's there's like there's some vampires, and I think we're meant to think it's 
the women who've been converted, but they're really made up and their hair is completely different and they're wearing different clothes and they were very unmemorable to begin with. So it's really hard to tell them apart. And there's also some random women thrown in that we haven't met yet. And we... It's so confusing. (laughs) I don't know what's happening at this point, but there are some... There's some weird vampire shit happening. I think it's Anki. She tries to kill the men and Lottie, but Lottie stabs her with a blunt stick. It's the only way forward. God's sake. Uh, and then there's this... Re- oh, this happens so many times. There's so many gross bits in this film. Anki throws up all over Flair, <laughs> like this weird milky substance. Semen. It's semen. <laughs> Do you think it's semen? It's absolutely semen. Like... Okay. Is, isn't that the gag? I didn't see that. Um, it does look a bit like semen, but why Why would it be semen if they're women? Because there's some horrendous gender and sexual politics going on here where... Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she turns into this weird sort of milky cum substance. Nice... Uh, they run away from the vampires. I've put, I think one of them is Judy. I have no idea. And then Fletch just like bashes one of their heads clean off with a frying pan. <laughs> How are blunt objects so fucking effective? Forget the garlic, forget the sun, forget <laughs> everything you've read. Go down to Ikea, buy yourself a five pounder and you've done the job. Get the tea fowl out. Get the tea fowl, yes. <laughs> just fucking smack her head off. For fuck's sake. Oh, they're there. Right, they lock themselves in the cottage, um, and then somebody knocks on the door. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Let's go for a drive. <laughs> uh, somebody has gone for a drive. It's Judy. She turns up at the door. Uh, so she isn't one of the vampires. Who who is the vampire? Why do all the women look the same? But she quickly becomes uh, a vampire. Yeah, she. But yeah, so it's revealed later on that she is a vampire. Um, there are a couple of bits to get to before that. There's there's a fucking incredible line from Fletch. Did you get this? Um, uh, is, is this the werewolf line? <laughs> it's the werewolf line. Next time, he'll have me bummed by a big gay werewolf, I swear. Okay, I've found where we are in my notes now. Oh, I've lost for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> is that my fault or is that the film's fault? Uh, just, uh, like, it's... Oh. Um... <laughs> I'm going to blame the film. I mean, we've had the medieval line. Uh, we've had various other homophobic comments. Uh, next up, we've got a supernatural homophobic comment. Um, next time, they'll have me be bummed by a big gay werewolf. Yep. Which I quite like the alliteration of at points, but um, apart, <laughs> apart from that. Uh, and we'll be coming back to that big gay werewolf at the film's end as well. Yes, we will. Uh, I put in my notes after this line, a million quid this happens. <laughs> wow, well, we'll see. Thank you, thank you very much. Did you get the bit before this that Fletch, the, the sentence immediately preceding this line? I, I did not. My, I seem to have become obsessed with Judy for a little bit in my <laughs> notes. So. I'll, I'll let you take over the Judy bit next because this is her main scene. But Fletch, uh, he says before the big gay werewolf line, he says, even dead women would rather have sex with each other than get with me. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so Nathan, you, you're the one who's obsessed with Judy. Uh, take it away with this next bit. What happens next? She's my Kimberly Birch, what can I say? <laughs> uh, 
Um, she turns up at the property finally with her wi- a similarly weird kind of English accent thing going on with her. Yeah, she is English, but sounds a bit international schooly at points. It's the it's the Maxwell Caulfield accent of this film. Yes, it is. She can't decide once again. <laughs> pri- private or public? Let us know. Um, so she turns up, um, and also in the middle of this, uh, this is Lottie's big revelation that she's a virgin. Oh, what a shocker. Um, and Fletch gets excited about that, which is fucking horrible. He basically comes his pants. Oh, well, he, yeah, there's plenty of like uh, other coming as well in this film, as we've discussed. <laughs> oh, so. um, Jimmy is once again seduced by the hypersexual Judy... Um, she's maybe maybe the clothing is verged on more cliche prostitute now. I think rather than just office worker. Yeah, she is. She is dressed like a strippergram, and it's revealed very quickly uh, that she is a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, Fletch tries to kill her, but she's only stunned. What does he hit her with? Right. What okay, is... I've got right. This is fucking is it a ridiculous. frying pan again. <laughs> no, it's not. It's an axe. He it's... hits her in the head with an axe, and she fucking lives. Well, they love blunt, blunt instruments, so it's they just do. probably another blunt axe. <laughs> yeah, so there's a bit where like the axe is like stuck in the top of her head. Yes, and yes. then it's oh, it's fucking horrible. Like we get this weird Abbott and Costello bollocks where they're like Judy's turning around and the axe handle's swinging about and almost hits them in the head, and it's meant to be funny, but there's just an axe that's sticking out of a lady's head, and then. Oh my god, Jimmy gets up on the bed and like pushes the axe down into Judy's head and it's so graphic and so needless and then she just explodes in a big pile of cum and it's fucking... (laughs) Ah, who's calling it cum now? (laughs) That is not a line anyone has ever said before whilst sounding proud. (laughs) I'm proud, damn it. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's, it's horrible. This is a this is gross. I didn't find it that gross. It was obviously really, really graphic and just like B-movie-esque, so I wasn't too offended oh. by this. I um, didn't, didn't like it at all. Can, can we go back to another Fletch quote? <laughs> okay, I haven't got this. Why is it? Uh, so he briefly becomes obsessed with Lottie when he hears about her virginal status. Mm-hmm. And um, in a line that I've also heard in person said by someone before... Oh dear. Um, I'm willing to take any opportunity I can get. Emotional vulnerability. Oh dear. Yeah. Mm, that's gross. <laughs> Somehow, not the worst thing he says in this film. No. Not even close. Not, not a stitch on the bumming <laughs> or the, the medieval. So Judy's dead. Great. <laughs> Um, Lottie comes in and she's absolutely thrilled because feminism uh, Fletch goes off for a wee and then the vampires attack um, they can't get in because they haven't been invited classic vampire stuff but if Lottie knew this the entire time why did she bar the door? because <laughs> she uh, locked the door and threw away the key what was, what <laughs> the, was key the, broke. Thick line? the key broke and then she was stuck in there oh so good <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, Yeah, and then, like, the worst cop-out ever. Jimmy says, oh, it's not like I'm going to say, hey, lesbian vampires, come into my cottage, and they all come into the cottage. What science is behind that? (laughs) That that, that particular, particular, you know, phrase or phonetic joining would... What? 
I mean, that is like a classic vampire thing that is they can't it? be invited. Yeah. That. Oh, did you not? Okay. Yeah. No, vampires can't come in unless they've been invited. That's that's like I think that's a Dracula invention. That's a Bram Stoker thing. But the way they got around it was so lazy, like, and not even funny. And this is the first time in my notes I have written the immortal phrase "fuck this film." <laughs> that is a classic Jacob phrase. <laughs> And it will be coming up again. Um, yeah, well, Fletch is having a piss. The vampires... Uh, no, well, he's a... not just having a piss. <laughs> he's pissing in the sink. Is what well, he's no, doing. no, not just that. What's Have this? I got this wrong? Have I got this wrong? What? He, what? he finishes not... his piss and then thinks, oh, I've got a few minutes here. What? He has Am a I wank? Wrong? Isn't that wrong? Does he Is have a wank? Wrong? Unless it's one of those pisses where like, it's so relieving that you know the eyes go in the back of your head kind of thing. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get that he was, you know, having a little rustle down there. I'm, I'm just fantasising about <laughs> Fletch at this point. Clearly, God, God lockdown's been hard on you, hasn't it? Oh, hard's the operative word. <laughs> Jesus. She knows my name. That's not a good sign. Vampires find a birthmark on Jimmy that prove he is the descendant of the Baron, and they also find out that Lottie is a virgin, so they kidnap them uh, to perform the weird, complicated ritual from the beginning of the film. While this is happening, the vicar enters the room where Fletch is having a piss and is then attacked by an invisible object. We find out we can't see it because we're watching the whole thing through a mirror and vampires don't have a reflection. Oh, which I... that's... Jeez, that's vaguely clever. I, I put this as my favourite thing in the whole film. I didn't even notice that. I just thought maybe the vicar could see it or something and everyone else couldn't. No, it was actually quite a clever bit of staging where we're watching it in the mirror where, um, in front of the sink. However, the good nature of this does not last because this is immediately followed by the worst thing in the film. <laughs> Who wants to do this bit? Um, oh, I'm, I'm feeling garish enough to okay. do this bit. Go take on. It, take it away. So Fletch, uh, it, to try and defend himself, he grabs one of the uh, well, who, the, the lesbian vampire killer who turns up in the bathroom by the boob. Yep. Um, she is naked. She's naked. She's naked. Yeah, sorry, I should have specified that. Um, and drags her to the shower. Um, is this another trope? Like hot water burns vampires? Well, the vicar is saying the Lord's prayer, so I assume he's sort of holying up the shower water. Our um, father who art in heaven, please don't let that big werewolf, gay werewolf, <laughs> bum me. Yeah, that's how it goes. We say it every morning before school. Uh, yeah, he, he he holies up the shower water while beloved American chat show host James Corden forces a woman under the water by her tits. Uh, and it vampires... becomes a double tit grab as well. It's not just a singular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's got he's he's got full grasp of the old Tartars there. Can't believe I've just uttered those words. <laughs> this is this episode is going to single-handedly sink both of our media careers. Isn't it? <laughs> we're we're being ironic about it. It's fine. Jesus. And then yeah, the vampire dies and and she melts away. And what is Fletch left holding in his hand? Her semen ice boobs. <laughs> Yep, he is he is holding what I took to be two silicon breast implants oh, in his hand. Are they, are they? I thought they were I thought they were implants. I thought he he's got like I maybe they might be. I just assumed they were breast implants where like 
they're sort of white, vaguely boob-shaped things that he's just sort of got in his hands. Uh, fuck, I, I, fuck this film. I'm gonna I'm gonna take semen ice boobs still. <laughs> Again, not a not a phrase anyone has ever uttered while sounding relieved. <laughs> Um, absolutely horrific line from Fletch once again. So we were just a light buffet for a bunch of hot dykes. That's a word that's fallen out of fashion quite quickly, hasn't it? Oh no, how terrible. <laughs> There's another line from Fletch where he says, because um, Paul McGann fills him in on what's going on, like how Jimmy is meant to be this saviour. Uh, Fletch says, Jimmy's not the messiah, he can barely wipe his own ass." <laughs> <laughs> well, neither could Jesus at the end, you know. <laughs> The cross and all that. So. <laughs> Do you reckon that was his main thought up there? It was just, oh, God's sake. Oh, I'm just going to have to shit and <laughs> deal with it. You do never see him from behind on any of the paintings, so we oh, can't There's, say there's sure. something to commission there, Jacob. <laughs> I'll get on the phone to Raphael and see if he can knock something up for us. So Paul McGann, who is the vicar, asks Fletch for some help in killing the vampires. Fletch doesn't fancy it just decides to let his friend die. Uh, and Paul McGann is off uh, off in his hearse, because, of course, the vicar drives a hearse. That makes that makes perfect sense. His only mode of transport <laughs> is something unrelated to him. <laughs> yeah, because vicars don't drive hearses. Undertakers no. drive hearses. Yes, and probably not even undertakers, probably no. undertaker drivers. Yeah, like, or like a separate hearse company. Yeah, not, the outsourcing the of hearses is... <laughs> It's well known, well, known, well documented. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We come to the sort of forest of vampires. There's now like six billion of them. Uh, Jimmy and Lottie are tied up in a graveyard. Uh, Lottie does some taunting of the lead vampire, who I think is Eva. I have no fucking idea. While this is happening, the vicar takes Fletch to the tomb of Jimmy's ancestor, whose name is Wolfgang, a classic English name. Baron Wolfgang Steve McLaren III. <laughs> Steve. The Wally with the Brolly. Wally with the Brolly. <laughs> he is buried with the sword of Dialdo. <laughs> is did I miss a reference here, or is Dialdo just a bollocks word? Oh, I took it to mean dildo. Oh, okay. Jeez, okay. <laughs> and there is there is a reason for this because it is later revealed that, for God's sake, the handle of this sword is in the shape of a willy. <laughs> oh, it's just the most basic phallic yep. joining you could do. <sighs> Say it with me, Nathan. Fuck this film. Oh, yeah, fuck this film. Fuck this film. The vicar leaves Fletch to dig up the sword. Uh, he goes to check on his daughter, who is turning 18 on this night, so she's about to become a vampire. Uh, he goes in and checks on her for literally two seconds assumes everything is fine, and then leaves. So Rebecca wakes up completely vampirized, which of course she fucking does, because you only checked in for two seconds. We then cut back to the graveyard where Jimmy and Lottie are now flirting, for some reason. And your last moments, you might as well. <laughs> oh, God. They're like, Jim, Lottie's like, oh, I love you. I think, is this where she tells him that she loves him? Oh, my, yes. What? <laughs> And uh, the uh, what what an incredibly loving line from Jimmy as well, Lottie. Just so you know, before she turns you, I found you very attractive. Nice. I've seen some ham-fisted, forced film romances in my time, but this might be the worst. 
<laughs> essentially strung up before being willing to make any <laughs> exclamation of love. And then when you do, it seems ridiculous because you've known each other for about an hour and a half. <laughs> oh my God, it's horrible. <sighs> right, so yeah, that happens. Um, the James Corden digs up the sword. If it sounds like it's I'm tired, it's because I am. Um... <laughs> There's actually quite a funny bit. Um, the vampires come back um, and they start attacking Jimmy. They sort of swarm over him. And he hilariously nonchalantly says, That's my penis. Great. <laughs> I actually thought it was quite funny. Jeez. I know. I know. My standards have been so lowered. Maybe maybe I'm more of a fuck this film <laughs> than you are a fuck this film. <laughs> how are you holding up by this point in the, in the film watching? Out of 100, sort of how... Close to thirteen. <laughs> you said that far too quickly. I'm lucky for some. Well, yeah, lucky for us, definitely. Uh, Lottie says, "Get off him, you bitches. He's mine." <laughs> well, they're not interested in him. It's <laughs> the whole basis of the film. <laughs> That is a great... (laughs) Yeah, check that up on the goofs section of IMDb. Oh, there were so many goofs listed in the Amazon Prime (laughs) thing. Was one of the goofs just, this film was made? Yeah, this... uh, Nobody wanted to do it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Right, so this film again is jumping all over the fucking place. We're back at the tomb... And Fletch is just like pissing about with this massive sword. It's that's big as he is. And Rebecca, the vicar's daughter, sneaks up on him. And Nathan, do you wanna do you wanna say what happens next, or shall I take this absolutely disgusting part of the film? Do you know what? I've totally lost myself again <laughs> oh in my notes. God. Oh. Hang on. Oh. So is this the bit where he's practicing with the sword? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. then she she turns up uh, all grown up. Mm-hmm. As it's stated. Yeah. Um, so, all I've got is that Fletch kills her. Oh, um, okay. But he doesn't tell her father, which might be what you're <laughs> alluding to. No, no, I'm, I'm alluding to the fact that, like... Okay, so Rebecca tries to seduce Fletch, is the thing here. So not only is Fletch aware of the vampire thing that will happen to her, he's also aware that she literally turned 18 about four minutes ago. Oh, yes. And he's okay. all in. He's all in for Rolf harassing up this young girl. It is super gross. Yeah, see, I used to love that song, that Aaliyah song, uh, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, but then I remembered that R. Kelly was the <laughs> producer, and I feel like, uh, it, although it's not a similar situation here, it's uh, that sort of attitude, because Fletch is probably 27 or 28, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's very indicative of like that lad's culture at the time. It's the classic sort of the people who would read the Sun and and you know those sort of the countdown time at uh, Emma Emma Watson's eighteenth birthday or the dodgy oh. pictures of Charlotte Church when she was fourteen. It's just such a relic of this ancient time in in well, hopefully an ancient time in this in the current uh, situation. Shout out to Charlotte Church for a crazy chick. Watch you. <laughs> he stabs Rebecca with the sword. She falls into the tomb. 
The vicar comes back. Fletch doesn't say anything. Yep, just killed your daughter, but we've we've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> that is micromanagement on a ridiculous scale. It's like if you murdered a climate denier and then was sort of like, oh well, justified. <laughs> and then the climate denier's dad came up and was like, oh, have you seen my daughter? And you're like, no, no, nope. never heard of her. What Let's get to about? the Thumberg rally. <laughs> oh my god. Right, so Jimmy and Lottie are tied up to some rocks. The vampires are doing vaguely sexy things to each other. There's an incredible line from Eva where she says, I will let Carmilla feed on your flesh while it is still warm inside your veins. (laughs) Flesh doesn't go in the veins. The vicar is playing Amazing Grace on his car radio, which I thought was actually quite funny. And Fletch starts filling some condoms with water. Yay. Once once again, not in Bram Stoker's Dracula, that technique. <laughs> the father, the son, the holy Jurex. Oh yeah, the whole point of this is they're trying to resurrect Carmilla um, using the, the stupid ritual thing. That happens. Uh, the vicar and Fletch turn up. The vicar tries to shoot the vampires with his crossbow and it doesn't work. Uh, the vamp- <laughs> you, are, you are rattling through now. I'm loving it. <laughs> Uh, is there anything that you particularly want to talk about in this scene? Absolutely not. I hate action sequences at the best of times, let alone when it's fucking lesbian vampire killers. <laughs> they hold the vampires back by putting the crucifix in a tree and just like hanging, oh. it, hanging it from the tree. Just go around it. Maybe they all secretly have allergies and it's not actually the crucifix. It's just the strength of the flora and fauna. <laughs> Around that area. Oh no, I haven't taken my pyrites today. <laughs> oh, cetrazine hydrochloride, everyone. <laughs> well remembered. So, yeah, we then sort of have this weird bit where the vampires are held up by the cross. They arrive back at the graveyard and the vicar frees the uh, Jimmy and Lottie with his magic cross. It, like, shoots weird lasers out of it and <laughs> cuts the ropes. That, Doctor what? Who! <laughs> 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 oh, for fuck's sake. The vampires turn up... <laughs> oh, kill me now. Uh, the vampires turn up again. Uh, they've left the sword in the car. Of course they fucking have. Carmilla rises out of her tomb and zaps the vicar with her magical vampire lightning, which is definitely not a thing. And then all the vampires start touching each other. Yay. I, I'm absolutely lost in my notes again. <laughs> so bad. Right. What? Where do you think we are? Okay. Right. <laughs> has he? Has he tried? Has he attempted the holy water condom yet? Have we gone past that bit? I think we have. Yeah. I think we're. Well, I think we're well past that now. Please, Jacob, just see me through. <laughs> oh fuck this film. Right, um, okay, so Carmilla is, is alive at this point. Does that help? Okay, so are we at the tentacles now? <laughs> no, we're not. We're before the tentacles. God, this sounds weird. We're before the tentacles, but we're... No, we're after... No, we're before the tentacles, but we're after the condom. Oh, God, what? <laughs> Those are my two notes. <laughs> They're simultaneous notes. Right, okay. I'm just going to... You know what? I think I'm just going to power through. Yeah, and I'll drop in with something. okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Okay, right. So, Carmilla's back. 
everybody runs away. Jimmy and Fletch get out of the graveyard, but the main vamp, Eva, I've just put the main vampire in my notes, but her name is Eva, um, traps Lottie, who's wearing, who's been wearing this crucifix necklace the whole time. Why didn't she use this aid fucking ages ago? Um, the crucifix gets cut off. They have a sexy fight whilst Jimmy and Fletch are being fucking useless uh, on the outside. Um, they start kissing for some reason. <laughs> Uh, but it's all a ruse, so Lottie can put her crucifix necklace around the neck of the vampire. Uh, the crucifix cuts Eva's head off. Uh, her head hits the doors of the crypt, which explode. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy and Fletch go flying backwards over the car. You know the kissing here? Is that the only instance of like actual... Um lesbian kissing right like, i feel like the rest of the film is just that sort of sensual breathing on people's necks yeah this is again and i don't know why this is an issue i have that th- there are no lesbian elements to this film <laughs> kissing, kissing, kissing. <laughs> it's like if you're if you're gonna do a film called lesbian vampire killers at least have some lesbian bits in it but there's like like a, a grand total of about 90 seconds of any sort of ladies kissing or any sort of sexual stuff. It's, it's It can't even do its own fucking title right. At this point, Carmilla has somehow teleported to the front of the crypt. She's got Lottie in her grasp. Um, oh, no, hang on. This is the condom bit. <laughs> Sorry, oh. yes, this is the condom bit. You were right. Fletch has got the, the condom full of holy water. He throws it and it just sort of misses. Great. That's <laughs> a great... So worthwhile. All those gags. So worthwhile for that. <laughs> oh, I hate this so much. He then tries to, like, get her with the sword. That fails. And then fucking... Like... <sighs> then Carmilla just... Ex- sort of... This weird tentacle thing comes out of her mouth. <laughs> Why? Uh, is it is it phallic? Is it just a thing? I think it's absolutely phallic, Nathan. Okay. What in what part of this film would lead you to believe that that is not phallic? I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I've made some rather dodgy links, so I'll no, I'll give you this one. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're any dodgier than the film wants it to be. So this tentacle thing comes out and it's like, I don't know, it's about to fuck James Corden, I don't know. And then Jimmy wakes up, he sees the sword, but he won't touch it because he's got a willy on the end of it. He will literally let his friends die so he doesn't have to touch a metal cock. Just be okay with that. You touch your own cock all the time. These guys definitely touch their own cocks all the time. <laughs> oh, okay, so he eventually picks the sword up. He then throws it. He throws a sword. Swords are really heavy. <laughs> he throws the sword. It goes straight through Carmilla. Like, all the way through her. Killing her instantly. She dies in some sort of... We've had the tentacles, but not only that, she some, somehow has some sort of electrical energy between, like, yeah. within her. 
and uh, dies of an electrical storm of her own making in the end. Yep, she blows up. I am amazed that they showed enough restraint to not have Jimmy stab her up the fanny with the cockpit of the sword. (laughs) Oh, I sort of would have loved that. (laughs) So she dies, she explodes, bits of her innards go fucking everywhere, including on the camera. And that is the transition. Like Like a kidney or something hits the lens. It wipes down... And that is how we transition into the next scene, because somehow it's the next morning. Yep. Uh, And they all look like they've been in an Indiana Jones film (laughs) in the morning. They do, don't they? That's a very good point. When I I say Indiana Jones, I mean Crystal Skull level (laughs) Indiana Jones. I didn't for one minute think you were sullying the good name of The Last Crusade by comparing it to this film. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, so the women women aren't vampires anymore. They're still lesbians, though. So does that mean all the like? Does that mean that the people they killed are going to come back to life? Did they just <laughs> murder? Did 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 James Corden murder an eighteen-year-old girl for no reason? Um, well, it's it's just to set up the fact that Corden still doesn't have anyone. Yeah. Um, and who would go for this guy <laughs> with some of the things he says? But he's so charming. Oh, so much, so much charm and tact yeah. throughout this whole film. Come on, bottoms up, cocks in. <laughs> it's just poetry. That's fucking uh, Thomas Hardy there. God, who did we? Was it Keats? It was Keats we mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> Is the vicar dead? The, he doesn't come back, does he? No, That's it. We never oh. see him again. Is he dead? He's, he's, he's off in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. We do never actually see how Paul McGann's doctor dies and regenerates into Christopher Eccleston. Oh, okay. I'm just. (laughs) All right, fucking Keats. All right, all right. (laughs) Right, now what? Dunno. Go home. Go home. They've taken my friends. They very nearly took our lives, and we never even dreamed they existed before tonight. How can we just go home to our beds? What's she talking about? This village is free, but more creatures like Camilla lurk in the dark corners of the world. No one will believe us if we tell them we are the only people who know the truth. We must go out there and fight this menace. Are you suggesting we become lesbian vampire killers? That's what it takes. Lottie then gives a rousing speech about how they have to hunt more evil around the world. Uh, Jimmy says, so we're going to become lesbian vampire killers then. Does that mean they can only kill lesbian vampires or are they going to kill other stuff as well? Uh, how many well, lesbian... more disturbingly, this sets up a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It didn't happen. It's fine. <sighs> it could still happen, Nathan. It could still happen. It could still happen. They're friends again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right, they drive off into the sunset. The film is about to end. Just when I thought it couldn't get any worse. We get the gay werewolf. There's a silhouette of a werewolf. It growls at the moon, does a really stereotypically feminine pose. And that's full teapot. It is full teapot. (laughs) And that is the lasting image of this film. The Secret Life of Professor Lupin. And that's Lesbian Vampire Killers. That was the longest 80 minutes of my life. Um, This film made me angry. 
I wasn't. This I was so I'm, angry. I'm delighted this has happened because this is a bad thing. This it's is a bad film. Oh, finally! How I long for the days of seeing Back to School again <laughs> in Greece too. But there we are. Oh, this was this was such a slog to get through. Not helped mm. by the fact I had to pause every five minutes to take notes on the sheer ridiculous things that were happening on my screen. Yes, okay, I understand that it was possibly trying to be a parody, but parodies work best when they're clever. This wasn't clever, nor was it very funny. It's, uh, you know, I love to make ridiculous, uh, embellishing statements about Mm -hmm. ratings, but this is probably bottom ten ever for me. I would agree, probably bottom five for me. Mm, This is just pushing it. And, like, it doesn't help that it's aged terribly. And it's only 11 years old! (laughs) How worrying is that? This is like Little Britain levels of bad ageing. It's mm. just... Ah, oh, the gay werewolf. <laughs> just the constant bumming references. <laughs> like it's like this awful thing. And sexual preferences other than being straight are somehow a source of entertainment or a, a rung below um, some sort of legitimate straight sexuality. It's horrible. Mm. It, and that's not even discussing the misogyny. I think if we were to discuss the misogyny in full, we would literally be here until the next episode comes out. So I'm going to I'm gonna close the book. I'm going to close the book of Necros. It's come back finally on hey. this film. Thank you very much. Uh, and just give... Thank you, Lord McLaren, <laughs> or whatever his <laughs> name Wolfgang. was. Before we move on to the aftermath, do you have anything else to say about this film? Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, we sometimes... Well, we, we do a, a Hall of Fame segment on bad things, social media. Who is your... Who's the worst in this film? Oh. It's got, it's got to be Corden. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, every, everyone else... I mean, there's, there's always a shout-out to the patron who had a wooden sheep. <laughs> but uh, he's, he's too niche to receive uh, an induction, unfortunately. <laughs> I would have to say, yeah, James Corden is insufferable. Like, not. I think he his performance, like as an actor, he's probably one of the better actors in this film. But his character is thoroughly unlikable. And yeah, just Horn's not really like he's there, but he's not present really yeah. enough to be the bad. Which in itself is a bad thing. But <laughs> Corden's humor, well, I guess the writer's humor mm. and the way Corden plays it, um, just go away. <laughs> I never want to see fucking Fletch ever again in my entire life. But what did the critics make of it? Oh my god. Have you got any scores, Nathan? I've got... Oh, I love doing the scores on the doors. Yeah, take, so, the, take it away. Rotten Tomatoes, we are at a very kind 25% <laughs> with 7 fresh and 18 rotten reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some specific reviews here. Uh, from some of our favourite lefty publications. Um, Anthony Quinn of The Independent. A lovable pair of mates in Gavin Stacey. Here they are flagrantly overstretching their appeal. Peter Bradshaw, two out of five in The Guardian. St. Trinian's meets The Descent in the pages of Nuts magazine. <laughs> it's mostly pretty awful. And God himself, Mark Commode in a oh, video hey. review that I watched, had this to say. He basically said he was a fan of the visuals but he couldn't stand the repetition of the humour. The script's a total dog's dinner. 
Obviously, it's better than Marley and Me, which came out around <laughs> whoa, the same time. Whoa, whoa, hang on a second. I like Marley and Me. Of course you do. What? You, <laughs> you bloody Greenpeace snowflake. <laughs> a dog dies. It's so sad. He just he describes Marley and Me as like having a root canal what? done. <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, yeah, I've got another review from the Guardian. Oh no, it's the same one. Um, but there's just so many incredible lines from it. Um, oh god! Uh, there's a good review from um, the Radio Times as well, where it says Horn and play- Horn plays a jilted wimp, Jimmy. He goes hiking <laughs> with Priapic pal Corden to forget his ex-girlfriend, and ends ends up in a village beset by sapphic bloodsuckers, with only virginal Swedish apparently. Student Myanna Burring and sweary vicar Paul McGann to help him out. Sapphic, jeez, God, that is that is going deep. That is, <laughs> it's just oh. And there's a, the closing line of that review is: despite the filmmaker's obvious affection for the lurid sauciness of the 1970s hammers, the titters here are so telegraphed and hoary. <laughs> that's hoary with an H, not a WH. They would barely have passed muster in that decade itself. Wow. Two out of five. Carry on, lesbian vampire killers. <laughs> Carry on, Cragwitch. Do you want some characteristically tactful statements from James Corden regarding this film? <laughs> yes, please. He said that watching the film would be too harsh a punishment for prisoners being held at Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> and that it was a pile of shit. That's actually quite funny, to be fair. <laughs> I'll give him credit for that. Um, he actually referenced this film not that long ago. I think it was last year he was doing a skit on his, jo- uh, his talk show uh, where he called the show the, the film exactly as bad as you think it is. Right. Um, he also called it embarrassing in an interview with The Guardian in 2013. So mm. he has done very, very well to distance himself from this film. Did you see the interview he did on YouTube with a channel called Hey You Guys? What a ridiculous name. <laughs> and he just, he took, like, he gets asked, like, what's the biggest regret? He says LVK. And then he just sort of tails off and he's like, it's shit, it's shit. Could you find any quotes from Matt Horn about this? Because I didn't. No! <laughs> Look, I think it's safe to assume he is also not a fan of this. Persona but, non grata. Yes, very much so. And would be the case for a number of years after this, because this film is probably as famous for being bad as it is for being one of the final nails in the coffin for the working relationship between James Corden and Matthew Horn. Uh, we watched an edition of Piers Morgan's Life Stories with James when Corden. When I used to like Piers Morgan. <laughs> He's actually a really good interviewer. That Life Stories series has got some really good moments in it. It's just a shame. He's, He's a, so good. A monumental it's, it's annoying. Yeah. Um, this came out two years after Lesbian Vampire Killers, uh, and he talks about his relationship with Matt Horn, which was very... Well, it was frayed sort of in this time around about 2009 and after Lesbian Vampire Killers it just completely stopped like they did not work together again until as we mentioned uh, the reboot of Gavin and Stacey at Christmas this year I love him I love him and 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 do you talk much? uh, we talk yeah we talk occasionally we talk yeah yeah. and we asked him to take part in this programme right and he chose not to I didn't know that but I can, un- I can understand why. Why? 
because it's a hard time to talk about. Did you hear why he said he didn't go on the show? Wasn't he just a bit busy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go on the show because I was filming out of London and they could only film my interview on one day. The other reason is that I dislike Piers Morgan and everything he stands for. <laughs> Which is fair enough, but... Yeah, James Corden says that he never fell out with Matt Horden. He just said it was all exaggerated by the tabloids, and Matt Horden agreed. And Matt Horn, oh god, Matt Horden, Jesus, uh, Matt, uh, <laughs> Matt Horn agrees. James Corden. <laughs> um, but I, you have to think this definitely would have like cast some serious issues on their friendship. Yeah, I think as like they he said in the interview they one day one year they spent 263 days together jeez um if you're on top of someone that much um however much you get on with them it's going to just be a disaster eventually mm. um oh could you imagine having to deal with someone's mannerisms and just uh, just the same person all the time <laughs> oh it'd just be exhausting yeah i think for uh, they were victims of their own success uh, Horn and Corden, like Gavin and Stacey was massive, but I'm for, I just don't think they were ready to do anything else at this time. Like, as James Corden said, he wasn't good enough to write sketches. The film was just a total pile of shit. Like, how, how did they think this would be good for their careers? Um, yeah, just a case of stuff done too quickly and too many cooks spoil the broth. Mm. And to have two bad projects come out in the same week of a pretty bad year is um <laughs> it was the nail in the coffin yeah absolutely but where are horn and corden now well as we know james corden is somehow a chat show host in the u.s can we talk about carpool karaoke <laughs> i think we have to i mean it is an absolute phenomenon like credit where credit is due that segment is incredibly popular I cried at the Paul McCartney Carful Karaoke. Mm-hmm. The, the McCartney one is absolutely phenomenal. Like It's an extraordinary bit of TV. Oh, yeah. What a good guy. Hey, hey man. Hey, James. Yeah, man. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for this. Good. Yeah, man. Happy to help. I know Liverpool that well, see. I'll show you around. As a girl, what she wanted to be. She said, baby, can't you see? There's the bog, which was the acoustic chamber. The acoustic chamber. Hey, hey, everything sounds better in the bar. <laughs> Doesn't it? When you're shop love, we just want to say hi to the bar. Look, look who's up here now. Look, he's having his haircut. Let it be. There will be an answer. Let it be. It got me emotional there, Paul. It did, it did. I I'm not, I didn't feel it coming. It's too much for me. Oh. I can remember my granddad, who's a musician, mm. and my dad sitting me down and saying, we're going to play you the best song you've ever heard. And I remember them playing me that. Really? If my granddad was here right now, he'd get an absolute kick out of this. He is. Oh, God, I'm going to well up now. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, it's really good. It won an Emmy. Uh, I think his one with Adele was, like, the most viewed YouTube video of 2016 in the world, which is seriously impressive. Uh, He's also gone on to have slightly more success in other movies, including the Peter Rabbit and Trolls films. Uh, And Cats. He has also been in Cats and the Emoji movie, so, you know, swings and roundabouts. 
Uh, He'll do anything, <laughs> won't he? Jeez. <laughs> How you can have the history boys, cats, and lesbian vampire killers on your disc, um, filmography is ridiculous. I've just realised Russell Tovey's in the history, boys. <laughs> there he is again. What about Matthew Horn, though? Well, he disappeared for a while. Uh, <laughs> That's putting it lightly. <laughs> literally vanished off the face of the earth amidst rumours that he'd fallen out with Corden. Uh, but he found fame back on BBC Three as Mr Fraser in the Jack Whitehall vehicle Bad Education, in which he was actually pretty good. Not seen it, of course, as it's, as it's a visual <laughs> thing. I haven't seen it. I used to love Bad Education. I, I even saw the film in the cinemas. <sighs> Yep. Uh, he also loves appearing in reboots of classic British sitcoms. Uh, he's been in the 2016 revival of Are You Being Served and the 2019 revival of Dad's Army. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I bet they translate well to, to now. Was, it, was he in Open All Hours as well? <laughs> I am amazed that he's not done that yet. Like, that is an open goal for Horn, given his track record. Star, are you asking me to step in? What? Are you asking me to step into Christmas? Step into Christmas. We can watch the snowball forever and ever. Each week and me may come along with me. They're all hyped up about tomorrow, they are. They hyped up? How do you think I feel? Well, I was here I cannot fall from our trust tree again. Big, open that bottle of wine. Stacy, what do you kind of mean for them when they dinner would be delayed? Oh, Oh, Gavin and Stacey are back. On BBC One and iPlayer. As we mentioned, they got back together as Gavin and Smithy for the 2019 Christmas relaunch of Gavin and Stacey, which was almost universally beloved and the most watched UK comedy for nearly 20 years. So they're back on top, as it seems, uh, with almost almost certainly another season of Gavin and Stacey coming. But taking their time to decide on other side projects, I hope. <laughs> Thank fucking Christ for that. So, somehow, despite this absolute piece of dog shite, it all seemed to work out okay. Yeah, I guess time is a healer, um, mm. and I guess just many people haven't seen or don't remember the two bad things, mm. um, because Gavin and Stacey is so popular. And of course I didn't see the Christmas special, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, I did see the Christmas special, and it is actually really good. Oh. I would go out of my way to watch that unfortunately so that is lesbian vampire killers sorry if we've really well i think i think i rushed through that somewhat but honestly i did you all a favor it is one of the worst films i've ever seen it is absolutely a bad thing and it may be the worst thing we've reviewed so far yep (laughs) you think it is you're saying that for sure uh yes uh we, we take the other worst things so lulu there's more artistic sentiment to lulu I think, and also uh, in terms of Patrice, who we have to mention, um, <laughs> the, the a lot of the people involved in that aren't a bad thing. So mm. um, I am putting my stake in the ground or through a boob <laughs> or whatever, and I'm saying LVK is the worst thing we have done so far. Wow. And if that doesn't make you want to not watch the film, I don't know what will. 
Well, thank you all for joining us on this incredible journey to Cragwitch and back again. Uh, we're sorry you had to be dragged along with us. Uh, but, as we mentioned at the beginning of this show, this was voted for by you, by the fans of this podcast. And we have another poll, which has just come to a close. It is for the episode 7 review, which Nathan will be taking the reins of. Nathan, what are we looking at? Second time is the charm for Louis Boys. Yes. We will be doing uh, what you very succinctly described as an anthology episode... Uh, with uh, looking at three of Louis Walsh's acts uh, from the X Factor days, also looking into the man himself, the Enigma, uh, Louis Walsh, uh, and we'll be covering Owen Quigg or Eogan, <laughs> as you like to say, Jedward, um, of course, and God himself, uh, who lives in Wigan, I think, <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> love Shack, la la love Shack. Get your deals at bargain booze. <laughs> But as we like to say on this programme, as one poll ends, another must open. It's time to vote on what you want us to review for episode eight. And could you please be a little bit more kind to us this time? Can you please pick something that is at least so bad it's good rather than so bad it's bad? Make it fun. Make it fun for the love of God. So we've got four options for you. Two TV shows and two movies. Starting off with the runner-up of the last poll we had on visual media. Owing to its popularity last time, we're offering you the chance to vote again for the classic sitcom starring Adolf Hitler and Ava Braun. (laughs) Cancel after just one episode. It's Heil Honey, I'm Home. I really... Did I vote for this last time? I can't remember. Um, I really want Um... this to win... Um, I can't believe it was a thing, and as as we said last time, he's living next to a Jewish neighbour. Jeez. Um, oh, Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Coming in at number two on the poll, we have a film that has an absolutely star-studded cast, including, and I'm going to take a deep breath here, Hugh Jackman, Elizabeth Banks, Gerard Butler, Emma Stone, Jason Sudeikis, Uma Thurman, Naomi Watts, Seth MacFarlane, Halle Berry, Richard Gere, and Kate Winslet, to name but a few. How could this possibly be a bad thing? Well, it was. So bad, in fact, that it won the Worst Picture Award at the Golden Raspberries and is widely regarded as one of the most critically and creatively poor films of the last 10 years this is movie 43 yet don't know a great deal about movie 43 i know it's like got way too many storylines or something that's the thing that i've taken away 14 Mm. wow 14 are we is it four hours how long is it Oh, so many problems to get into. I am low-key hoping this is going to win because I think there's just going to be so much to talk about with the backstage drama. It took 10 years to make. Richard Gere tried to get out of it at one point. Oh, straight into my veins. Straight into my veins. Give it to me. I think my vote might be going here. Maybe. Number three on the poll, we have a sitcom starring comedians Flex and Daryl Bell, no idea, uh, who star as two astronauts flying around the galaxy in their floating lowrider. It was a series panned by critics and cancelled after just one season, which for this show is actually pretty good going. It's called Homeboys in Outer Space. And I'm guessing, Jacob, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Oh, Uh, yes. Yes. I think all the... Bad tropes of African Americans on TV in the 90s, put it in space, 
and we've got ourselves a cracking little piece of turd here. And is is this planet based or sort of international space station based? <laughs> Somehow neither. And last but by no means least, this just sounds bonkers. It's a film starring Johnny Vegas and Mackenzie Crook, who is Loki, one of my favourite actors. They star as Brummy Delivery Men in one of the worst reviewed movies of all time. It has a whopping 0% on Rotten Wait. Tomatoes. It's called Sex Lives of the Potato Men. <laughs> um, I'm probably most looking forward to like the prehistory of Johnny Vegas here. <laughs> so that, what was he in? Tetley with the monkey? Was it nah, Tetley? P- PG Tips. PG Come Tips, on. that's it, yeah. Um, and a digger. <laughs> oh, and did, did was it Vegas who did the like lots of adverts as well? Um, he was in Benidorm, I think, <laughs> is what people would know him from. Um, but yeah, lovely bloke by all accounts, Johnny Vegas. But God, this film looks shit. And so the premise is just the story of the deli- potato delivery men, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they don't have some they... sort of weird uh, <laughs> fetish for ground vegetables or anything. Nor are they ground-based vegetables, no. So uh, the usual applies here, everyone. Cast your votes on our Facebook page. There'll be a list and a, a four pictures that we'd like you to react to. If you have yet to find our Facebook page, you are missing out, my friends, because you can find us at Bad Things Podcast on Facebook. We are also at Bad Things Pod on Twitter. And on Instagram, where you can see all the amazing artwork that our wonderful artist Becky Stolworthy has drawn for us, including some an absolutely brilliant picture of Robin Thicke for the Paula episode. It's so good. Hit me in the morning, six me up at noon. <laughs> but noon. And a big thank you to Jenny Pettican as well, who is managing our social media. Thank you. We pray to the gods of the algorithm that you will continue to do such a wonderful job. So, unless you've got anything else to say, Nathan, I think that might be it. Goodbye to one of the worst of all time. <laughs> Absolutely. And well, thank, thank you for saving me when the plot was beyond me. <laughs> oh, plot is such a strong word. Well, we're going to call time on Lesbian Vampire Killers. The DVD is going straight in the bin. See ya. Uh, see you later. We'll see you next time on Bad Things for another audio romp. But until then, it's goodbye from Nathan Packham. Farewell. It's goodbye from me. I'm about to try and not get bummed by a big gay werewolf, and we'll see you next month. Bye!